Friday, February the 16th, 2024. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. A lot of ground to cover on this one. We'll put a bow on the NFL season. Eric joins for a recap of the Super Bowl and to talk about some of the positives and negatives for some of the other teams throughout the league. Just some of our big takeaways from the season. Then we jump to Friday, Best Bets at Santa Anita. We'll get into Gulfstream Park Saturday, races 8 through 12, the late pick 5. And then I'll talk about Santa Anita Saturday, the two races that are part of the coast-to-coast pick 5. And uh, I'll have already hit on the three of them from Gulfstream Park. So you'll get an overall look at that coast-to-coast pick 5. And then we'll really take a focus in on fairgrounds. They have five stakes races to close out the card it's an all stakes pick five including an awesome edition of the risen star and the racial alexandra barry spears joined me to talk about all five of those stakes races we finish up with this week in wrestling with chad cooper on this episode of that's what g said that is presented by full service realtor cindy carava and her website c-i-n-d-y-c-a-r-a-v-a.com she can help you out with buying with selling with leasing Anything you need in the world of real estate, Cindy Carava. Let's dive on in to the NFL season recap. We put a bow on really all of the top stories coming out of this season. First up, we uh, recap the Super Bowl. Eric joins me. We are coming off the second ever overtime game in the Super Bowl. Eric joins me to put a bow on the NFL season 2023 and talk about what happened with the Chiefs and the 49ers just a few days ago. So we're recording this on Wednesday, a couple days to revisit the big game last week. Eric, it was a game where neither team played great, but it was a fantastic game. Yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot of holes. Um, You kind of look at... Don't really understand some of the play calling that the 49ers were doing. 49ers should have been up 10 points, 14 points early. Oh, I know. But the Pacheco fumble, uh, Bosa missed a couple assignments that didn't maintain gap that allowed um, uh, Mahomes to make some plays. Yeah, entertaining game, but there definitely was some mistakes, you know, both sides. I think, you know, a couple of things that are getting lost in the mix is, A, what a great game McDuffie from the Chiefs had. And even though Jones only had four tackles to assist, they're not winning that game if they don't have Chris Jones. He made some huge plays, namely that game, namely the one where he disrupted Purdy's rhythm where he could have hit Ayuk in the touchdown. McDuffie was targeted with seven passes going his way. And uh, so in the Super Bowl, there have been 54 times where there have been defenders targeted at least five times in the Super Bowl. Uh, just in the last eight years of those 53 players, all of them allowed at least 16 receiving yards in the game. McDuffie allowed nine. He allowed a passer rating of 39.6. That is identical to a quarterback throwing the ball into the dirt on every pass attempt. <laughs> That's what you were doing going against uh, McDuffie. Their defense also, Eric, what's crazy is that after all the really impressive things that their defense did, we could go through, they held San Francisco's rushing attack at just 3.5 yards per carry on 31 attempts. They third down, KC was 9 of 19, San Francisco 3 of 12. Huge, huge kind of difference in the game between those two. The Chiefs had nine unblocked pressures, all of which came on blitz. That's incredible scheme. You're just sending guys at the right time, knowing there's not there's a mismatch there, and boom, 
pressure, making life a little bit difficult on Purdy. They slowed down almost all of the 49ers playmakers. You go through all of them. McCaffrey had 160 total yards, but he only had 3.6 yards per carry. He had 80 receiving yards, but no other 49er had more than 49, which was Ayuk. Debo had three receptions and three carries. He only had a total of 41 yards. He had a catch rate of 21%. He was uh, targeted and he, uh, only had one first down conversion all game and negative six yards rushing DYAR. Kittle had two receptions, four yards. They were both banged up a little bit, but this is what Spags does, right, Eric? He makes these adjustments and he just knows how to take these guys out of, out of having big games. And I was talking about this with our buddy XFL Jim. Why doesn't his name get mentioned? I know I said two failed assignments, but I think what he's done in this little run completely that he's had completely have completely earned him that he kind of gets some run. Plus, you look at it, he has had success in the Super Bowl. He shut down Tom Brady. So it just it just it's weird to me he hasn't gotten another chance. I know he's had two. Maybe that's how teams are looking at it. But he did a great job, and you give him with time, and he has a great thing going with Reed, where Reed does the offense, he does the, he does the defense, and they just kind of stay out of each other's way. Flip side of the ball, Steve Wilkes was announced fire today. So 49ers are back to square one, looking for another DC. Obviously, they have to start looking in the mirror. What do they need to do? I'm not That's a big guy. So diff- it's so difficult with them, right, when you're so close, but yet – you know that you're not perfect. It's not fluky when they lose, right? They could have lost the first or second game of the playoffs getting here. The balls bounced their way. This game was sort of the opposite. They dominated the game early, and as you pointed out, they should have been up a lot bigger to where their margin late in the game should really not have mattered as much because they should have had a, a really big advantage. And now you have to make some sort of changes, but you know, you're going to have to pay Purdy at some point. And you're not going to be able to pay everybody else. So life's going to get more difficult for you. It's just one of those things where you feel like that window, the last few years, how many times they got there and they weren't able to capitalize. It's not going to get any easier for them with the way their team's built. No, not at all. And uh, Ayuk, that's one of my takeaways I'll get to a little bit later about Ayuk. Uh, You don't know what they're going to do. Do they move Kittle? Obviously, I think one thing that's not being reported off is McCaffrey's was banged up all this year. What's going to happen with McCaffrey? Is he going to be able to withstand another year? Obviously, some old line issues. Are are they going to re-sign Chase Young? What's going on in the secondary? And Shanahan. We've seen this with Andy Reid. Hell, Andy Reid had this in Philadelphia where he needed to change sceneries, get a new quarterback. But he was labored in Philly of not being able to win one. I think we're we're kind of getting there with Shanahan with what he's done, blowing two 10-point leads in the Super Bowl and a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator. And it took – Reed getting his quarterback Mahomes does you look at Shanahan does he need to find a guy right but I mean did Reed really find the guy like no, no that he found Mahomes him no no and that's Mahomes kind of fell in his lap that's he lucked into him you're right can kind of go on and on like who who's to say if Mahomes was the first pick he ended up in Chicago and Trubisky fell to the Chiefs at wherever they took him Who's to say Trubisky wouldn't be happy? You know what I mean? Like, is Mahomes talented? Yeah, but he was in probably the perfect system he could have be, be in. So, And he sat out a year. He There wasn't a whole lot of pressure on him. The expectations weren't there for him either, right? As you're saying, nobody's – there's not the pressure on Mahomes like there is on Bryce Young. 
right? And yeah. it wasn't right off the bat. Nobody was expecting him to come out. And we're going to talk about Bryce Young a little later after we kind of finish up with the Super Bowl is one of the disappointing things that I had for, for this year. But it's it's just incredible when you dive into these two teams. And it's fascinating how how different you feel about the 49ers just based on the result of overtime. Isn't that crazy? You know, it, yeah. isn't it crazy? Because it is one of those things where you don't want to get too radical. The 49ers are still a very good team. They're still one of the best teams in football. They were still, they were still one play away. The four, the, the chiefs had a fourth down and one in their own possession in overtime. If they just get stopped mm-hmm. there, the game's over, you know, in their yeah. own, they're, they're one play away. And now you look at them and you go, you don't want to make all these changes, but you can't roll it back again, knowing that you weren't quite good enough and you could have lost to the 49er or you could have lost to Green Bay and you could have lost to the Lions along the way. You have to come back mm-hmm. with a little bit of a, a different game plan. <laughs> there are just a lot, so many things you look at, though, that did go the Chiefs way. They recovered six of the seven fumbles that hit the ground. Teams that were down by 10 in the Super Bowl. All time, two and forty-eight. Tom Brady, two and one. Patrick Mahomes, three and one. Yeah, <laughs> went down by ten. Um, a big talking point was the new overtime rules, which give both teams a chance to touch the ball, with each team getting a chance to match what the first team did. So, Eric, that was a big thing because it sounds like some of the guys on the 49ers didn't quite know these rules as well as the guys on the Chiefs did. They pointed out that they had been talking about it, having meetings about it for the last two weeks over and over and over again. So Tony Romo was pointing it out on the broadcast, and it sounded like at that point, a lot of people went, what, really? That There really wasn't time in overtime, right? Because both teams will get the chance to finish their first possession. And then if the, the Chiefs have the ball and time goes, time runs out, they would have moved to the second quarter and they would have had the chance to keep going until they had fourth down and they got stopped. And, and that would have been the difference right there. So Shanahan decided to take the ball first. And his reasoning was, he said that if we score a touchdown and they score a touchdown, when we get the ball back, the next score wins. I want to be able to have the ball third. So that way, when we get the chance there, it's sudden death. The problem with that, he was thinking about it in how he would have played it, uh, which is kind of safe. He wasn't thinking about it how other teams might have played it, Eric. And Mahomes and Reed and all the Chiefs had even said, yeah, we talked about how if we got the ball second and we went down to score, we were going to go for two. They wouldn't even even given the... 49ers a chance to get the ball back. That's why you have to think about it in in different terms a little bit because Shanahan was assuming, oh, we can go down and score a touchdown, kick a field goal. They go down and score a touchdown, kick a field goal. We'll be even, and then next score wins. The Chiefs were never even going to let it get to a another back and forth. They were going to try to win it right away, which I think a lot of teams would have. You know your coach would have done that. Yeah, Um Thinking about it, I I was a little surprised during the coin toss that they took the ball. I would much rather have a chance to drive down and, you know, with your rushing attack, you should be able to get two yards and go for the win. That's that's what I would have done. 
and match, right? I was a right? Yeah. Like, I was think a about what the Chiefs had to do. They got the ball, and it was fourth down in their own territory. If they had that first, they would have punted. Yep. Yep. But because and... they, you get an extra down when you know what you have to do. Because you know you're always going for it. Yep. And it's just... I don't know. Like that's my mindset. I I'll be honest. If there are reports that the, he didn't know the rules, if that's the case, he should be out of a job. I agree. You don't you don't want to see that, but it just goes down. These great coaches take care of everything. Everything was taken care of on the Kansas City Chiefs side. They're like, if we get if we don't get the ball, this is what we're going to do. Chris Jones was adamant. If they didn't get the ball and they scored a touchdown, they were going to go for the win. They had a plan. Every scenario was covered. Doesn't sound like every scenario was covered for the 49ers. And when you have people coming out on the team saying they didn't know the rules, I mean, that's just a bad look. And because of that, I don't think they're as prepared as the Chiefs were. And, you know, they ended up losing the game. Some of the play calling didn't make sense to me. They should have been running the ball a lot more with McCaffrey, even Elijah Mitchell. Uh, that was a little weird to me. I don't understand why Aaron Purdy dropped back so much. Uh, and, and they I were mean, like in in a in sequences. It seemed like there were sequences where it was like pass, 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 you yeah. know, like all in a row instead of mixing it up. And it was like ah, that was just a three and out. I think there yeah, were just, three of them in a row to start the second half. They went three yeah. and out, and it didn't feel like right then the the play calling what mixture. I, I think you were pointing it out perfectly that damn, you don't have to be run the whole time, but just. You don't you Mix don't ever want to be passing the whole time when you've got a guy like Purdy. It's just not you don't want to put that on him. It's not ever. But that's kind of like the pressure that Mahomes does. Like Mahomes puts this perceived scoreboard pressure on you, where you're like, oh shit, I got to score. And then you're like, take you're rushing and not taking the time because you don't want to get you don't want to call run play on like first and ten and be stuffed. Now you're at second and twelve, second and five, be stuffed. Now you're at third and eight. You kind of like get suckered into this passing because you're perceived because of the scoreboard, you have to keep up with them. When in reality, you just have to stick to your game plan and do what you do well. That's another factor why the Chiefs have had this longevity. Also in terms of the 49ers, look, I know Ayuk is making social media posts. His girlfriend is making social media posts. His fan, his family is. Reality of the situation is this. Everyone's saying he should have got more catches. He only, in games this year, he only averaged four receptions a game. In the playoffs, he only averaged three receptions in the game. Reality of the situation with Brandon Ayuk, he's, he's, he's Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not a 1A guy. He's a 2 guy or a 1B guy. He can't be the guy that goes up against elite coverage. He went up against elite coverage this weekend, and he basically got he, – he did get shut down. So I know Ayuk I, – Ayuk's going to be Juju, you know, when he goes to a different team because I think he's gone from everything I've read – and he goes there to be the one guy, and now you have a team facing you, trying to stop you. You're the number one attention. Best DB is on him. I think he's going to struggle next year. That was my one it, takeaway. Um, go ahead. It, yeah, and it's the same. It, it's funny because for the same thing he's complaining about right now, it's one of the reasons why he's had stats that have been really good analytically because there's so much attention on Debo, on McCaffrey, and on Kittle all the time. He and you're pointing it out. He's he's the fourth most important person for the defense to to take care of right now. So he is still getting a lot of 
one-on-one, a lot of really soft coverage compared to the rest of the team. If you're playing the 49ers, you're worried a lot more about taking out Debo, slowing down McCaffrey, not letting Kittle get a a one-on-one in a mismatch where he's going to run you over. You you make IU beat you, and he's done that sometimes this year when he's been open, but you're pointing out, I just, I've never felt like he's that, number one kind of guy and life's yeah. going to be a lot more difficult for him when he doesn't have those other guys. He complains he about Debo. not getting Deacon. the touches, but you're going to, I'd sacrifice a few touches to be on a good team and to get the kind of openings he's going to get. And he, it's going to be different for him. Uh, another thing that kind of stood out to me is where, where was Debo? I'd look, I know he got hurt. He got hurt sec, late second quarter, early third on spacing. Three catches, 33 yards, three accussing his times for 33 yards, zero touches in the fourth quarter. For this little run they've been on, he has been your go-to guy. He has been the guy in every big situation, every crunch situation, you are giving him touches. and He was nowhere to be fouled. To me, that's on Shanahan. I look, I know he had a leg issue, like I said, but he was out there. He was playing. You can't use him as a decoy. If he can't go, he shouldn't be out there. You have... Uh, Ray Ray McLeod that constructs the field. You move Jennings inside, and Jennings had a good game. Jennings is a free agent. Jennings probably earned himself two to three million dollars a great more game. a year with with what he had. But I thought Debo should have got a little bit more of the um, of attention. Obviously, the Chris Jones. I think he won the game without him. They're not going to win it. And then the big elephant in the room. Look, this is this is my takeaway with the whole Kelsey thing. Look, maybe I'm completely wrong, but it was a running play. That is why you're out of the game. You are not a good pass, blo- uh, run blocking tight end. That's why you're out of the game. And then the Pacheco fumble happened because of great play by the linebacker for the 49ers. And then you go up to a 65-year-old man and basically bump. grab him and shove him. Look, if I'm the coach right there, you're sitting out the first half. You can't do that. And breaking news, if there is no Andy Reid, Kelsey wouldn't be having the career he has. Kelsey wouldn't be a Hall of Fame player. He is in all that stuff because of Andy Reid. And then he's throwing a fit on the sidelines because he's not out there in a run blocking situation when you're a god-awful run blocker. They almost, him and Pacheco both almost lost it in the first half right then. You could see, they they got, which was funny, the roles in this game, because Romo talked about it at the beginning. and And I thought... And, and some people are laughing at, you know, Romo's had a good few years. I know you don't listen sometimes to the announcing as much. And I don't, depending on when I'm re- watching and rewatching the games. But I thought he made some good points in this game. He started out saying, you know, for Purdy, the very start of this game is going to be interesting because you you feel so different in the Super Bowl, right? Like you're out there and you're like, it's nervous. It just is not like any other game. And Purdy was smooth right off the bat. He was he started really well. He didn't fumble the ball. It was McCaffrey. And then Pacheco fumbles. Like you said, Kelsey's getting nothing. He has one catch in the first half. He's obviously so amped up. I'm sure he's pumped up. His girlfriend's there and then up there. He's got he's one of the big center of attention. He, you know, and and it's he he almost lost it. He did lose it, but he was lucky, as you're pointing out, that he's a guy that's got a good reputation. He's not been a guy that's been a hothead. Him and Reed have a good relationship. Because if that's somebody else, they, that could have been ugly. That could have yeah. taken a really big turn for the worse. And we're not seeing 
Kelsey and Taylor Swift kissing on the sidelines after the game. And we're not seeing all of that. Like that, it was close when it was 10, nothing. And Sanford, it's with four minutes to go in the half. It, you're feeling it right there, but it should have been even more at that point. Like it should, it have, should been, have been a lot more. It should have been a lot more, a um, lot more. Cause when Casey kicks the field goal to go into the half town, 10, three, I felt like as someone who bet Kansas city, I was like, they're winning, they're winning this game. When they were only down by seven going into the mm-hmm. half, getting the ball back to start the second half. I felt, I think everybody figured they're going to come and score a touchdown right out of the second half. It's going to be tied. That actually didn't happen. They throw an interception. And now San Francisco's got the ball at the 44-yard line, and they can go score a touchdown right there, get up 14-3, to or get up 17-3 to at that point, and completely flip the game. But the KC defense comes up huge right there. Yeah, They stop I mean, them. They had, they had a lot of chances when you really go through the game. Kansas City then kicks a 57-yard field goal. It's 10-6. And then San Francisco muffs a punt. Gives What? It, it, it bounced. It, yeah. And it hit the guy. The guy on the foot. But, I mean, like, Ray Ray could have gave a better effort. I, I don't know. I mean, he obviously was trying up. It's just dive on the ball. But Those are just tough. little, everyone always little says sloppy things, right? Yeah. yeah. I, it's moving the speed of that, right? You, it's it's all happening, like you everyone, know, yeah. And everyone always says like dive on the ball, but they want to make plays, you know, pick it up. I can make something happen. It's really hard. And at the end of the day, what everyone needs to realize that is listening to this is the level of athleticism between these guys isn't that much. What separates the good guys from the great guys is their mental composure and not making the moment too big. Anytime push came to shove, Mahomes just made a play. You know, that's it. Having to be with his feet. He ran the ball way more than I thought he would. Great with his feet. You know, made some plays to Kelsey. Made some good throws. And they're in a position to win. Uh, The one thing that really did stand out to me is everything is just underneath now. I mean, that was – I mean, there was nothing down the field for Kansas City. Like, literally, everything is just underneath. Rice had six catches for 39 yards. Yeah. Literally, everything is just underneath. They need – to get a little bit more downfield. One thing that Brady did is he'd always just chuck it downfield. Granted, it was usually incomplete, incomplete, but that kept the safeties honest. I think what we're going to start to see next year, if they don't make an improvement at a wild receiver position, get someone that could fly on the outside like a Mike Evans type guy, we're going to see these safeties, instead of playing too high, start to pack it in a little bit, make the underneath stuff a little bit more a little bit more compact because right now you just you just rush for hoping to get to Mahomes and play two safety high. Um, they were going to see the safeties drop in a little bit because if he's not throwing it down the field, I mean, there's no point in playing so like so much high safety against them. What really impressed me was the Chiefs come back, take a 13 to 10 lead, and then it feels like they've got all the momentum in the world. And then Purdy comes right back and leads San Francisco 12 plays, 75 yard drive. Six minutes, and they take a three-point lead, but they miss the extra point. And that ends up just being – the rookie kicker, Moody, has an Mm -hmm. amazing game. He hits a 55-yarder, which at the time is the longest field goal ever in Super Bowl history, and then he misses – it it gets blocked. So the extra point gets blocked. Fantastic play made by Kansas City. And 
then they're able to kick a field goal and we go back and forth field goals. So if you include overtime, there were seven straight scoring possessions to end the game back and forth after a slow start. These teams really raise their level. And what happens, the defenses get tired. They were flying around early and San Francisco started getting banged up, man. They were missing some key components on the defensive side. We saw a freak injury with Greenlaw, he gets hurt running out onto the field from the sideline. That's a huge loss. If you think about it, in the first half, Kelsey, one reception. Then in the second half, Kelsey, he ends up with 92 yards in the second half because it's all right there in the middle. A lot of that space where Greenlaw was, right? And just imagine that. You worked your whole life to get to the Super Bowl, and then just a free thing, stepping on the field, you just pop your, your Achilles. I mean, Unbelievable. That's, you feel that's so bad, bad for someone right there that's when that happens. And that's going to affect him the rest of his life with his playing career. Um, the, man, they, they were willing to run the ball with Mahomes, and it, it's something that they haven't done because they don't sneak Mahomes. He got hurt on a sneak. They He got hurt a couple years ago. He got a concussion on a run. Over the last 60 games, the Chiefs have called four designed runs for Mahomes. They had two of them at least in the second half. For Mahomes mm-hmm. in huge, huge plays. He ended up leaving the team and rushing nine carries for 66 yards total. And he is the only quarterback in the last 30 years to go eight for eight or better, plus having 25 rushing yards on any single drive in a game. So he completed That's eight. Pretty good. <laughs> That'll get the job done, right? Eight for eight and 25 yards rushing on a drive. In any game, regular season or Super Bowl, or any season or post time, he did it in Super Bowl in the Super Bowl in overtime in the Super Bowl. And this dude is now a two-time MVP, six straight AFC Championship games, three-time Super Bowl champ, three-time Super Bowl MVP before turning thirty. He's twenty-eight. He is just unbelievable. And what um, I wanted to quote Kevin Clark, he he made he put this into perspective for me, Eric. You're obviously a big basketball fan. You and I are going to start talking a little more NBA coming up soon. He's Clark said, the reason I think Mahomes is Michael Jordan is because Jordan relegated so many other would-be legends to minor characters. He literally left no breathing room for anybody else, and he shaped the legacies of basically all of his contemporaries. We might be seeing it again. He's on his way. If you think about guys like Shanahan, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, those are guys right now who may have already had a a whole lot more success if it weren't for the one dude standing in their way. We look at the Bills already a couple times. They maybe they would have won Super Bowls if it wasn't for Mahomes. He did it again to the Ravens and last week to Lamar. Lamar Super Bowl season. He did twice. Shanahan has twice lost. In overtime in the Super Bowl, Shanahan has twice been up 10 points against Mahomes in the Super Bowl and lost. And these poor guys, we may look at them like we do Barkley or some of those guys that never got a chance to win and it really wasn't their fault. They were just playing against maybe the all-time great. Yeah, it's just one of those things. And I mean, the thing with Burrow we need to remember is the one time he lost to him in the playoffs was in overtime. There is that like... Was it roughing? Was it not roughing call? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's gonna Bengals are a really interesting team going into next year that could obviously dethrone them. They have a super under the radar. Place. 
Yeah, they right? have a last They're, place schedule. Like out of sight, out of mind. Nobody's yeah, thinking about them. Hanging with Higgins or anything. So <laughs> Mahomes has been an underdog twelve times in his career. He's nine and three straight up in those games. Um based on DVOA, they beat the first, second, third, and sixth teams in the playoffs. They were actually underdogs in three of their four playoff games. Um just a couple other notes on this game before we just move on to other stuff uh, in the NFL. So during uh, over, yeah, the last four years, this is, this is the four years for the 49ers. They blew a 10 point lead in the Super Bowl to the chiefs. They blew a 10 point lead to the Rams in the NFC championship game. They're in the NFC championship game and all their quarterbacks got hurt against the Eagles last year. And then they blow another double digit lead in the Super Bowl. What do you okay? Three of the last four years, they've blown double digit leads in either the conference championship or the Super Bowl. The other year, their quarterbacks got hurt. You just feel sometimes like it's not going to bounce your way. It's hard not to feel defeated when you're so good. They remind me a little bit of the Dodgers right now because they're just so good. They're so talented. You feel like you know they're going to get there. But once they get there, you always feel like there's something a little bit missing. That's not they putting were, them over the edge, you know? They remind me of those Suns teams that had yeah. Amari and um, Nash. Nash just couldn't. Always great the, regular season. Marion, Sean Marion. Yeah, couldn't get over the hump come playoff time, one thing or another. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. What do, you, what do you do? Like this, one thing that we need to remember is I think people really don't understand how absurd this free agent season is going to be. Um, salary cap saints. I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to Saint is possible. Saints can move off Kamara with their salary cap issues. It's possible that the bears who literally just traded for DJ Moore could release DJ Moore because of the salary and just do a hard reset. Them trading fields. Um, Michael Pittman's a free agent. Ayuk is a free agent. Uh, Michael Evans is a free agent. Nick Chubb is a free agent. There's so many of these elaborate playmakers that are free agents this offseason everything is just going to completely turn around and who knows the 49ers are going to be able to get back there they definitely got some questions but you have a great offensive genius in Shanahan obviously they're scapegoating Wilkes it's going to be interesting to see what happens for their DC but yeah it's it's interesting offseason I will say this though historically speaking teams that made the Super Bowl they're um good fade for the first game next year. Another thing we need to remember with this Chiefs game is now with the run Mahomes is on, he's basically played one extra year of football. Yep. So the West to me is going to be really interesting next year. You got Harbaugh coming in. So you think the Chargers are going to get upgrade, but when you look at their roster, what's going to happen with Evans, what's going to happen with Allen. I'm not a big Eckler guy. So he he's going to be out. What's going to happen with Bosa. What's going to happen with Matt. Chargers should be better, but I think because of Harbaugh, they're going to be a little bit overbet going into that season. We don't know what's going to happen with the Broncos. Broncos got better as the season progressed, but they have a big hole at the quarterback position. Dark horse team to get Justin Fields is obviously them. And then you got the Raiders. In my eyes, Pierce was the second best hire of the of the coaching tree this year. They brought him back. He's got connections with everybody. But as XFL Jim said last night when him and I were talking about on my show, can you really trust Aiden O'Connor? Can, can you trust no. him? I, I can't. So you need to 
do something at the quarterback position. Does that mean drafting somebody? But who knows what's going to be available? Bo Nix and Penix completely bombed the senior bowl. So they're going to fall down. I'm not a big J.J. McCarthy fan. Me neither. And people forget how bad Jaden Daniels was when he was at Arizona State. So as much as everyone wants to hype up this quarterback class, we really don't know what exactly it and, is. And, and both the top around. two guys who could be awesome, I think they – versus where we were a year ago on both Caleb and May, I think people are all a little a little lower on both those guys than they were a year I, ago. I, I like May. I think May at the end of the day is going to be better than Caleb Williams. I just there's just something about Williams I'm not seeing, you know, never really won anything at the collegiate level. Um didn't like the way he bailed out in the season. Uh I think kind of think the guy that's kind of getting lost in the mix, but he's got he's had maturity issues, Spencer Rattler. Rattler was huge coming into high school. Obviously, didn't work out at Oklahoma. Transferred to South Carolina. Senior Bowl, he lit it up. He was the talk of the Senior Bowl. Maybe that's a guy that's kind of out of the blue that kind of comes up, that moves up some draft boards. But you always need a quarterback. And let's face it, when we look at the quarterbacks, there's only a handful you can really trust in the league. It's a, it's a tough position. Let's get into some quick hits, things that we liked from this year, things that uh, were not good from this year positive right off the bat. I think one of the most positives and I'll give you a ton of credit, Eric, this was probably your and I together. One of our best future successes that we had this year was the Houston Texans. They come off of a three win season last year. They make the playoffs. They win a playoff game. They win their division. The first ever rookie head coach and starting rookie quarterback to win the division. And they have the offense and defensive rookie of the year with Stroud and Anderson and their head coach tied in coach of the year voting. He actually finished second, but he tied in votes and Stefanski had more first place votes. The Texans were one of the coolest stories of the year. They have a bright, bright future. We've talked about it in the NFL. The window can close quickly. So you don't want to sit here with this team and act like, Oh, we'll be around every year for the next 10. You, you, they were probably a year or two ahead of schedule this year. You've got a rookie quarterback that you know is a an elite quarterback. You've got playmakers on the defensive side. They they found some really nice playmakers on the offensive side. I think their staff is a good staff. I mean, I think they they were one of the coolest stories of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna. I I thought they were great. Uh, obviously, overachieved. We saw Stroud start to come into his own. They drafted Tank Dell to be the one-two punch. Uh, Dell obviously got hurt. Nico Collins emerged to be one of the elite wide receivers in the league, even when they were teams were trying to stop him. He still was producing. Noah Brown's a free agent, though. Losing him is going to be huge. Need to add another defensive pass rusher to help Will Anderson. And they kind of struggled against the pass, so we need to improve that uh, that secondary. But, yeah, definitely look to take for them to take their next step forward. I'm going to stay in the same division. I think one of the best coaching jobs in the league was done by the Indianapolis coach, um, Steve Schreiken. Uh, to kind of look at it, you have Jonathan Taylor missing time at the beginning of the season with the holdout in that situation, and then he was hurt, which was just weird. You lose your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback moving forward, Anthony Richardson. You I think he only finished him. two games, right? I think he yep. only started and finished two games all the way through. Yep, you roll out uh, Gardner Minshew, and I'm not the biggest Gardner Minshew guy at all. You're winning games with him and your best defensive lineman. Stewart missed six games because of a PE suspension. You have Isaiah Rogers, who kicked off the team and banned from the NFL for gambling. 
a lot of outside distractions, but you put your team in a position one game away from making the playoffs. You have a decent draft pick. Richardson's coming back. You have some free age free agent money. I really think, though, the key to them is you have to take Pittman. I really think one of the players that made a huge step forward was Michael Pittman this year. And with the offense that Starkin has, he's putting Pittman in a position to be successful, pair him with Josh Downs, Moelle Cox, the veteran tight end. you got Jonathan Taylor. I think that's a team. I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs next year. I like what I saw from them going in. Completely agree. Season. Completely agree. And I think it all comes down, you know, to the coaching. It really does. You just felt like they were always in a good spot. They put their players in good positions to succeed all year long, even with Minshew. No real star group of wide receivers. And of guys we were talking about, I actually do think Pittman can become a, one, a number one guy. Like, I think he may, he can be pretty close to being a one. I mean, he has sort of already been a one for them most recently. He probably, you probably wouldn't slot him as, you know, a, a, a premier number one, but I don't think he's too far away from being that. I completely agree with you. They were one of my most impressive uh, on the season. Also, Eric, one of the others that I wanted to talk about, uh, what are the Green Bay Packers? What a roller coaster season they had. And uh, for me and you, one thing we discussed with them a lot this year was we were going to get a chance to see LaFleur really coach for the first time like himself because he was coaching Aaron Rodgers, a veteran. You knew Aaron Rodgers was going to do things sort of his own way, and Aaron Rodgers was going to call out audibles, change a lot of things. But you have Love, who is the number two graded quarterback from week 10 on. This team goes from three and six to six and six. All of a sudden, they get a ton of buzz. They beat the Chargers the Lions, and the Chiefs, think about that, in three weeks in a row. And those that was an awesome three-week stretch for them. And then everybody started jumping on the Packer bandwagon. And what you and I did, we did it smart. We went and played Tommy DeVito and the Giants, and they beat them straight up. And the Packers lose two games in a row. Then the Packers win three in a row to end the season. They beat up the Cowboys, and they should have beat the 49ers in the playoffs. So yeah. you feel really good about them moving forward with – I think they found their quarterback. They got a ton of playmakers and I like their coaching staff. And plus they're young. You know, they're one of the young, they are the youngest team in the in the NFL, sixth youngest team in the last couple of years, first team since 2010 to make the playoffs with no all pros. They were going to see them take another step forward. Obviously, we don't know what's going on with Jameer Alexander. Gonna be interesting to see if they keep him or look to move him. Hired a new DC, hired the Head guy from Boston College, I think he's going to come in. He's going to sure up the defense where Barry wasn't able to. My next one is Cleveland Browns. When you kind of just sit back, and I know people are mad that D'Amico Ryan didn't win coach of the year, but when you look at all the obstacles Stefanski had to overcome to get 11 wins and just make the playoffs, it's truly remarkable. Deshaun Watson hurt. Then you bring in DTR. Obviously, he wasn't the guy gets benched. Then you bring in PJ Walker off the practice squad from the Chicago Bears. He gets hurt. You bring in Joe Flacco, who's literally been sitting on his couch, and you win 11 games. Your two your two tackles hurts. You have second tier, second string tackles playing. Nick Chubb goes down with a knee injury. Now, obviously, they drafted Jerome Ford to replace Nick Chubb, but now Ford's throwing into the mix. You have to bring back. Kareem Hunt. Obviously, this team finished with the seventh best record. And when you kind of think about everything that's happened to him, you have to give him props. And Stefanski has kind of taken a page out of the Andy Reid book. He's like, look, I got the offense. I'm going to go get Jim Schwartz, who has had incredible success as a DC and a former head coach. And I'm just going to let him 
do the defense and do stuff the way he wants to do. I think the Browns are going to be an interesting team moving forward if we can see Deshaun Watson get back to the old Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson gets back, I definitely think this team can make a run. Flacco looked the best he's looked maybe ever, honestly, in this stretch of games. He, he was he averaged the third most fantasy points per game at the quarterback position. Just unbelievable. And at you you hit it. They had they had injuries. Offensive line was decimated. Uh, running backs banged up. All their quarterbacks got hurt. Towards the end of the year, Cooper was banged up. They Garrett got hurt. All their key players. I think Schwartz ended up winning uh, assistant coach of the year also. He did a fantastic job with that defense. So shout out to the Browns. I got to give my Rams a little bit of love, Eric. You told me before the season started, they're going to be better than I thought. I thought they were going to be really bad. They end up having a good year, 10 wins, after the bye, seven and two, including the playoffs, and their two losses were by a combined seven points. They lost at Baltimore in overtime, and they lost to your Lions. They found some really nice young pieces, too. They had Puka, who finished second in Rookie of the Year uh, voting. They obviously found Kyron Williams, who I think is a totally legitimate running back. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they uh, their um, Turner was in third or fourth in uh defensive rookie of the year voting. So they have a young team. And what's nice is they have a couple stars that are older veterans that are aging out, but they have a bunch of young players that are going to be able to kind of take the mantle from them and, and fill right in nicely. And Stafford had a great year too. McVay's a still a top tier coach. You know, he, he gets cute in some spots, but as far as putting guys in position to succeed and, and a lot of the like head coach stuff, I think he does very well and as an offensive coordinator. I was so pumped with them that they had a, a really nice year and got to 10 wins, man, and they had a they had a good run. Great run. You know, you got Aaron Donald. Obviously, there is some rumbling that Stafford could step away. I don't think he does. I think he plays at least one to two more years. I think you need to add another running back. Kyron Williams, a little bit of a small. I think you need a little one-two punch there. But you have Puka. You have um, Cooper Cup. That's a good one-two wide receiver core. You need to shore up that offensive line a little bit. But you have a first round draft pick, which you haven't had in a couple of years. So hopefully you can get a core because they've done so good picking in like the fourth and fifth round. Now you're going to get a pick a little higher up. Maybe you can uh, find a, a Kool-Aid, the guy Kool-Aid from the Bama who can slot in, be your lockdown corner who's dropping down draft boards. But the Rams are definitely moving in a uh, in a good direction. Uh, I know their season, my last one, and look, I know their season ended disappointingly. But I think we got to give props where props is due for the season that the Baltimore Ravens had. Obviously a huge disappointment. Still dumbfounded by the game plan that we saw by Todd Munkin, Justin Hill, 70% of the stats. Gus Edwards, only three carries, playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, who really can't stop the run. Really dumbfounded, but we look at their whole body of work. Phenomenal season. Start to finish. Lamar, MVP. I really do think they need to add a running back a dependable not i don't want to say dependable but gus edwards isn't a franchise running back isn't that one i guy? know I, think, I know i think they need to add add someone have it be in the draft there is a couple interesting rookies coming out where they could get there maybe get a veteran guy what would like you go for tomorrow. someone like a henry if you were them or no would like someone no. like that get too many miles yeah, way too many miles and you basically have that you have that goal line rusher in gus edwards gus edwards 
is basically, and sadly at this stage of the game, what Derrick Henry is, just a big in-between the guy that will get three yards. I think a guy that you need to get is kind of like a Kamara type, someone like that who's possible. The rumors going around is that he could be out in New Orleans a casually hit because of their cap situation. But wide receiver-wise, I still think they need to add somebody, a big-body guy like a Mike Evans-type guy, uh, Zay Flowers, more of an interior guy. Isaiah likely to feather step forward. Maybe we see them look to move on from the Mark Andrews. Kyle Hamilton slipped to the 14th. There's a lot of questions when he came out of Notre Dame. Is he going to be able to play in the league? He's obviously the best safety in coverage right now, one of the better safeties in the game. So they do such a great job drafting. It was just just really disappointing the way their season ended. But when you look at the whole body, they had a phenomenal season. Eric, uh, I know another one that feels sad because of the way things ended for them, but we had to talk about your Lions a little bit because – this was a year where it felt so weird to see the Lions favor to win the division and to see the Lions is supposed to be a team that was going to be like a nine win team. And they were. And the greatest thing I think as a fan is when your team can win all the games they're supposed to. And your team did exactly that and more. They went, uh, they put themselves in a position where they were leading by 17 with the chance to get to the Super Bowl. Things all went against them late and Campbell, you know, like we said, you, you really felt all along that it it was going to come down to the decision-making one way or another. And that was either going to win it for them or hurt them. And whether or not we agreed with all the calls, you were right on that. That's, that's what it was. That's what ended up happening. But damn for you as a fan in your entire life, you saw more lion success this year than you've ever seen. Which is crazy. Uh, you know, they have four picks in the top 93. Definitely need to add someone that can help in the defensive line. They did make an interesting signing. They signed the defensive player of the year from the CFL, who did try out in the NFL, was drafted, got released. Then instead of playing on the practice squad, one of the CFL, maybe they found a diamond in the rough that could come in, be a specialist, rush the pass rusher. But they do need to obviously add someone along with Hutchinson. And they need a big body guy. If hypothetically Mike Williams gets released or cut or traded, I would love to see Mike Williams, that X wide receiver. You could throw a jump ball to high point it, kind of get probably a little bit at a discounted contract. You have the field structure in Williams underneath guy in Laporta and Brown. You just need that high, that guy that can high point a ball. Then you have a pretty stout offense. Obviously offensive line. I, I don't know. Jonah Jackson is a free agent, which is looming pretty big. He's one of the most underrated left guards in the league. Definitely interesting to see what's going to happen next year. But when you look at their division, I mean, Jesus, you have the Packers are going to take the step forward. Vikings, you really don't know what they're going to do at the quarterback position. But you have O'Connell, who's doing better than I thought he could, thought he would. You have Justin Jefferson. You have an offensive line that produced at a high level. You have a defensive line, defense with Flores, which was great toward the end of the season. And then you have the bears who are going to be doing this hard reset. So they're going to have a ton of free agent money and you're going to have the first round pick, have it be Caleb Williams or Dusty May, whoever, plus you're going to be getting draft capital from Justin Fields. So as much as everyone wants to pencil the lions in to winning the North next year, I think it's going to be a little tougher than people realize. Schedule is going to be tougher, right? It's going to be interesting to see what they do. And you got to re-sign Brown, you got to re-sign Goff. I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. What, they need to do, but you know, look, it is what it is. And you know, and Brad Holmes, we trust. Let's give a couple quick hits on some of the, uh, the things that were not so great this year, the Atlanta Falcons, 
So they end up starting the season two and zero. Then after ten games, they were four and six. When you look at those ten games, Eric, this isn't a oh they could have. They should have been eight and two. There were only two games that they actually should have lost against the Lions and against the Jags. Other than that, they had losses to Washington. They blew that game. Tennessee, by five, they blew that game. Minnesota, by three, they blew that game. And Arizona, by two, they blew that game. So no matter what, they even with Arthur Smith being terrible, they still should have, around that point, been much better than they were. But I think then they the team started to give up because they lose four of their last five games. Arthur Smith now gets fired and it just felt like such a waste of all those offensive weapons and their improved defense this year. Like we thought it was going to be, they had some improved playmakers on the defense. They just didn't have any consistency in the quarterback play. I think Ritter was graded quarterback 60 on the season and Heineke was even lower. Um, There were 77 quarterbacks that took snaps this year and they had obviously a head coach who, seemed like he was trying to prove he was seemed like he was like trying to get into it with his own yeah. players you know He's like trying, trying to prove, to prove points smarter. yeah then, it just the, like i i was huge in the falcons i really wish me too done me too big time with their hire uh raheem morris great coach for what atlanta has i don't think it was the right hire though me i either. think it would have been better if they went in a different direction which is disappointing because they have a great great uh schedule moving forward obviously mm-hmm. Um, the one I have to look at, I'm sure we're going to have some similar ones going on is the Carolina Panthers. You oh, yeah. lo- oh, use yeah. the first round pick. On we Bryce can combine, Young. I just put Bryce young, but we'll combine him with the Panthers yeah. right now and, and go back and forth on both of them. You put Bryce, you, you draft Bryce young, you drafted high capital, you drafted, you traded. sorry, you traded high draft capital. You traded your wide receiver one to move up to draft Bryce Young. He has been a complete dumpster fire. You see the success C.J. Stroud has. You have your owner who's now coming into the limelight for how bad he is. And literally, none of these young coaches want, none of these old coaches or established veterans, established young coaches coming up like a Ben Johnson want to go to Carolina. They had to go with Keynes, the guy from Tampa Bay, who has a history of developing quarterbacks. Uh, Geno Smith two years ago with the Seahawks Baker last year, but is he going to be able to do that with young and look, I'm sure he's a great kid, but he's just small. He can't see over the line. Footwork's not that great. Little slow. I just, you have an owner that's not going to give you a leash. You have Burns wanting out of there. You have all their defensive studs wanting to leave. I think Carolina is a huge disappointment and I think it's just going to be like, and they trade. They gave up a, a bunch to get this guy. That's what makes it yeah. even worse. They're giving up. They're giving up a more this year. What what to me? Which the part that was the most eye opening was okay. Sometimes you have a player in a really bad situation to where hey, it really wasn't Bryce's fault, right? Whoever you put in there was going to struggle. Well, here's the thing: Andy Dalton started a game for them. And in that game, Andy Dalton led them to 27 points and he led, he passed for 361 yards in that game. So this year, it, it, throughout the year, in the other 16 games that Young played, he hit 300 yards one time, 312. He didn't even hit 250 yards in any other game. 
which is embarrassing. Yeah, it is absolutely is un- embarrassing. And because they, they um, were down every game, having to come back, they didn't even get garbage time, nothing meaningless yards at all. They were two and fifteen, and yeah. he was graded quarterback sixty-one. This was your first again. There's seventy-seven quarterbacks. The guys I'm talking about right now are all really bad. He, both the Falcons guys. And both the Patriots guys, I'm going to talk about them in a second, they were all between 60 and 67. That was the group of quarterbacks. Like, just, they weren't even as good as second stringers on other teams. Yeah. They were, it, it was really sad. It was really embarrassing on that one, Eric. And that will lead me to the Patriots, who I was just talking about. What a sad way for Belichick to go out. Maybe, you know, the greatest coach of all time or one of them on the short list. And, just a whimper. They're four and 13. He's not hired back this year anywhere. It doesn't look like he's going to be a head coach coming into this season. Mac Jones was graded 62 and zappy. He was graded 63 out of 77 quarterbacks that took a snap this year based on PFF. They have no playmakers, no real wide receivers that are game breakers. They defense is fine. They were ranked number nine in DVOA, but their special teams they were number 28, and their offense was number 29. You're just not going to be good when you have a terrible offense. And the special teams, that was the one thing this year to me that felt like, oh, maybe Belichick is kind of done with them. He was always awesome at that stuff. The special team stuff and the, the stuff that you can coach, they didn't make mistakes. That was never a Patriots yeah. thing. Yeah. It's just, obviously you put your bags with everything with Jones and obviously it didn't pan out Bill O'Brien's offense no idea what they were trying to do there Stevenson goes down their defense was elite and it's crazy to think we need to remember though looking at them Judon and Gonzalez went down early in the season how differently would their season would have played out if they would have beat the Eagles would have beat the Dolphins Judon there were like three or four games healthy. early, right? That kind of could have flipped either way. Their season could have gone a different direction, but it just shows you stuff can just fall off an absolute cliff. And I'll be honest, like, look, I, we don't know what we're going to get with Mayo. We have no idea what we're going to get with Jar Mayo, but is this going to be a situation where we're, like, come week nine, they're like, shit, we should have kept Belichick? Um, my next one, and, you know, I'm sure this is on yours too, Got to go with the Chargers, you know. Yeah. Um, defensively, they just – from everything I've heard, Staley's defense was just too complicated for him. And they just didn't grasp the concepts. I think once you get Minter in there, who's the defensive coordinator from Michigan coming in there, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be able to play a little bit more to the strengths. They have the Bosa contract. I think you may, because of the injury history – and how much money look to move Bosa. You may have to release him, trade him, get some draft capital. Offensive line has had some injury issues. I think you need to get a little bit more stable guy or get a little more dependable guys, find up a different running back, get Eckler, bring in Greg Roman, so you're obviously going to run a ball a little bit more. And they whiffed. Look, they drafted Quinton Johnson, who I told everyone was you going called to be it. awful. Yep. And he was. Now you have to move on. You use a, you, your top 10 pick to address offensive line, defensive line, get Brock Bowers as a tight end. I don't know, but this team is talented. It's loaded. They're going to have better leadership going into next year, so they probably will make a little bit of a run. 
But in terms of disappointments going into this year, you have a top five quarterback, top eight quarterback, depending on who you talk to. And you have a top 10 pick that should not be happening. Chargers, one of the biggest disappointments in the league. Completely agree. Uh, for me, it was just everything with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And I know we we can't hold it against him that he got hurt. But I, I'm holding everything else besides the injury against him and the Jets. Because immediately, they bring this guy in. And you were saying it from day one, Eric. They just let him run the show. He's he's bringing in a bunch of his old veteran buddies that he wants. He They don't even have legitimate other backups there. And, and they should have gotten rid of Wilson. This was a guy who they messed with his confidence over the last couple of years. They, they kind of strung him around. They brought him in. They brought him out. They basically called him out publicly a bunch. Just not what you want to do with your franchise quarterback. Hey, whether or not you think he's the guy, I don't think they handled it well publicly for, for his confidence. And then you've got Rodgers who's out there after he gets hurt every week. He's going on McAfee's show. And, you know, when he's just talking football, that doesn't bother me. When they're asking Rodgers to recap the weekend or, hey, what do you think about this coach or this player or someone that you know? He's fantastic at that stuff. The guy's a smart football player. He's It's when he does all the other stuff and he starts talking about, you know, we got to take the off the field distractions away as he's out there in the middle of, of like a back and forth fight with Jimmy Kimmel about like vaccinations and stuff. It's like, dude, you're supposed to be the leader of this organization and you came in and Eric, you keep pointing this out too. I don't even know if Sala is a head coach or not. They have zero offensive line and they're going to be in worse shape next year than they were this year. Um. I've been, I don't, I think Sal is one of the worst coaches in the league. You bring in Nate Hackett, which was obviously a mistake. Obviously, I, you have Bryce, Brees Hall coming back from an injury, who I think is one of the better running backs in the game. You drafted the kid from Pittsburgh, whose name I can't pronounce, and you bring in Delvin Cook. I just don't understand what you're doing. They can't stop the run at all. They've done nothing to stop the run. It just, it's just you see these bad organizations. It kind of was what the Lions were a couple of years ago. You know, we need to remember when Schwartz first started there, there was a little bit of hope. Then you bring in Caldwell, a little bit of hope. But it was all because it was just such a cluster at the top. As long as that ownership is there in place with the Giants, this is just going to be a recycling – not the Giants, excuse me, the Jets. This is just going to be a thing that's recycled, recycled, and recycled over and over again with them. Yep. Um. My my last one, and look, there's a t- we can make an argument that all these teams that didn't make the playoffs could be a little bit of a disappointment. It's hard to look at a team that had a losing record that you can say some positive things about. But um, I think one of the teams that was a huge disappointment in terms of my eyes was the um, Tennessee Titans. Um, obviously, a lot of that, I feel, though, was due to injuries. You know, you lost some people up front, namely Jeffrey Simmons. Obviously affected being able to get to the quarterback, which allowed other teams to uh, throw the ball and run on you a little bit better. Tannehill obviously wasn't the Ryan Tannehill. Levis forced into action a little bit early. Brian Dehop really wasn't a factor. Derrick Henry. We saw for the first time ever Derrick Henry was getting arm tackled. We haven't seen that ever. So he's starting to slow down a little bit. Now you bring in Callahan, who I think was one of the worst hires in the league. Bring him in now, giving the keys to Levis. You're obviously going to lose D-Hop, lose Henry. They're going to be doing a hard reset, and I just don't think they are equipped with what they have there to do it. 
don't like the direction the Tennessee Titans were in. I'm a big Grable guy. Really disappointed with them. Real quick, though, I do have one more team that, um, you know, I have some positive stuff to say. Let's hear it. About, um, I think, a real interesting team going into next year. I think they had a good season. They, and they only had four wins, but they overachieved in my eyes. Arizona Cardinals, uh, competitive every game, at least for the first half. Then toward the end of the game, the talent gap started to come out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But they competed. They beat the Eagles, lost the Seahawks by one in the last game. Obviously, you have Kyler Murray came back and looked good, looked competent. So you got the quarterback position. You have some high first-round picks. You have a good tackle. And I like their coach, too. Yep, that you're going to be able to build around a solid defensive coach. You have Buda Baker in the outside. Obviously, look, are, are they going to – could they make the playoffs next year? Probably not. But are they a team that's headed in the right direction? God, yes. So I think that's a team that – Record-wise, disappointed, but when you look at their whole body of the work for the season, definitely good moving in. And I look, they only had three wins, but they looked way better to me than what I expected going into this year. So I think their season was a success. I've got uh, my last one, which is kind of two, and I'm going to talk about the the one playoff game, which was a wild card playoff game this year that had two teams that I felt had such opposite ends of the season. And I felt so different about these two teams coming out of that playoff game. And that was Tampa against the Eagles in the Eagles, Eric, you have the team that have a 10 and one start. We knew they weren't quite as good as the 10 and one start, but they weren't a bad football team. And then they end up losing to the 49ers. They get crushed. Okay. Not that big of a surprise. They lose at Dallas. They get beat up then. Even the loss at Seattle, those three in a row, they didn't really shock me because they they had a pretty tough stretch of games where they had to play Miami, Dallas, Casey, Buffalo, San Fran, Dallas, Seattle, all in a row. Really tough games. I think there was a Washington game sprinkled in there. It was after that, the last few games of the year, when it felt like the team gave up and there was all this bad buzz about Nick Sirianni maybe losing the locker room, uh, Jalen Hurts having to be the adult in the locker room some of the times with him. you were in front of this before anyone, even when they kept winning, you said at the very beginning of the year, you thought this was going to really impact them in the bigger games and the bigger moments because they lost both coordinators. They lost their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator. And both of those guys were guys that we mentioned on the positive list as a coach for Arizona and as a coach for Indianapolis. Right. And it just it just shows you 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 lose those guys and you start to see a little crumbles in in the system. But um, you know, I made this comment back, I think like week eight or so, that I felt like this team was a little bit like the Minnesota Vikings going yep, into the year winning some games they shouldn't. Obviously, they could have lost the game against the Patriots in week one. Could have lost the game against the Vikings in week two. They could beat have lost Washington the game. in, yeah, in overtime lost, in week three have, or week four. Yeah, could have lost that. Obviously lost to the Jets. Um, you know, week eight, that was a back and forth game against the commanders. And then Howell had a Howell had a bad turnover. Could have lost the game against the Cowboys in week five. We need to remember that was the game where Dak stepped out of bounds on that two-point conversion. Um that Chiefs game, Chiefs are right there to the very end. Last yep. touchdown, Scariati had that celebration. Bills, look, Bills dominated that game. You know, Cook had a fumble. 
missed um, Gabe. I think that was, was that the game he missed Gabe Davis on that touchdown. And then they hit um, that field goal that went. Remember that the Eagles hit the field goal to go to overtime. That like through the rain. Yeah. It was like a sixty-two yarder. That so, was like <laughs> when you kind of look at it, like it was there. You know what I mean? It like was. they weren't. And that's why it's important. Like you and I talk about it every single week. You just kind of, kind of got to sit back and like. I don't know how you watch games, but like how I watch games, I just watch it when I'm walking on the treadmill. You know, I try to get yep. twenty thousand steps a day, and I just pop it on, you know, I'll have music playing in my headphones, I'll have my little, like, iPhone out, and when I see something, I just take a little note. You just kind of got to know what's going on, because I really feel with better is one of the things we do, and there's nothing wrong with this, and we just fall in love with the red zone, because the red zone goes from game to game. Especially nowadays, that, it's hard not yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. When you do that, you really don't get the big sense of it, the big picture. You really can't look back and say, you know what? Philly has 10 wins, but they really should only have five. And that kind of sums it up what you and I are trying to do. We're just trying to help you guys win money. Look, just because we say, hey, you know, bet against this team this week, it doesn't mean we don't like the team. It means we see a betting edge. I had someone come at me in my live stream a couple weeks ago, the week right after the Super Bowl, like saying all I do is just say bet against the 49ers. I was four and one betting against the 49ers this year. I didn't bet against the 49ers every single week. The only week I lost was week one against the Steelers, but it's just about finding the right time. I have no problem with the 49ers. No. Well, this was but the first time value, we've ever been able to bet Mahomes. Honestly, yeah, how many I'll, times in our life have we able be, been able to be on the Mahomes side? Not many because he's usually over and over inflated, overvalued. It's the same thing. I didn't, I didn't dislike Tom Brady as a player, but there I was very rarely on the Brady side with the Patriots minus seven and a half or minus 10 and a half or whatever they were. It's the same thing with San Francisco. It's not that I don't like San Francisco. It's that they are almost all, they were favored in every game this year. They played. Yep. So we're always going to be trying to pick holes in the favorites. That's the whole point of gambling. That's literally what the process of gambling is, especially in horse racing. But in, why is the favorite vulnerable? Why is the team that's supposed to win or supposed to, that everybody thinks is going to win? What can we find where there's a matchup, something that some other people aren't talking about or aren't seeing? Maybe you know about an injury that a player might have. or and that's That's the whole process of what we're doing and i think you hit it if you're someone that does this plays plays games especially in football mondays and tuesdays it's super cheap to have that account on nfl.com where you can re-watch the games without the commercials you can do it in 25 30 minutes per game and if you're someone just like do what eric does do what i do on mondays and tuesdays at the end of the week when you're doing your chores around the house when you're doing other stuff Put the games on in the background. And then when stuff pops out to you, make your notes and you'll find things throughout the game. You'll just start noticing other things that maybe they didn't pop up in the box score. Huge swing plays. Oh, wow. If they didn't get that fumble, that might've changed the whole game. Those are the things I think we're always looking for. And uh, man, I've learned, I've learned a lot from you and, and looking for those things and, and where we can find advantages. And one real quick thing. Uh, this was tweeted out by Ben. Bulkies, he tweets out like a lot of gambling stuff, like in terms of like, I, he's just he's just one of the guys I follow with a lot of. He tweets out a lot of stuff with percentages, spreads, stuff like that. In terms of looking to fade the public, teams favored in all seventeen games and favored to win the Super Bowl since two thousand. 
your Rams lost the Super Bowl in twenty in two thousand one, two thousand two. Patriots in in uh, 08 and 09. Patriots in 17 and 18, and now the 49ers. There's only been four teams that have been favored in every single game that made the Super Bowl men favorite. They have lost every single game. There you go. One last one I didn't get a chance to mention before, but I can't I couldn't leave without mentioning this before we let you go because this year we got to come together a little bit around Baker. Baker had a nice year for Tampa. They were the team that beat the Eagles in the playoffs 32 to 9. They played your Lions tough in that playoff game too. They overachieved all year. I think their over under was the second lowest of any team. They were projected, I think, to finish dead last in their division. They end up winning the division. They start three and one, then they're four and seven, but they finish winning six of their last seven. And it was a total Baker Mayfield season where the odds were stacked against him. There were a bunch of games where he was beat up and he had to make, you know, use his legs to pick up four yards in a first down and he would get leveled out of bounds and his sideline would get all fired up. They never really felt like a team that was going to win the Super Bowl, but they were a hell of a lot damn better than almost everyone expected them to be. And I think a lot of that was because of the stability they had. You pointed out there are still a lot of players on this team from the Super Bowl team a few years ago. It's not like they all just left. They still had a lot of that structure there. And they put in a quarterback who played above average quarterback play this year. And that's why they were able to be a, a nine and eight and end up being a 10 and nine team overall. I think the thing you hit in the head is stability. We need to remember going into next season, maybe I'm trying to think of a veteran quarterback, maybe like an Andy Dalton type team that goes to team X, which has a lot of pieces in play. I'm, I don't even know like the scenario, let's say maybe like the saints. Well, the saints have kind of like a scenario, like yeah. they're a little bit, but I know what you're saying. Let's it, say like Andy Dalton goes to the Jets, or not the Jets. That's an awful example. What's a team? What's a team? Giants. Giants have some people, or like a place like Seattle, like a team like yeah, with a veteran yeah. type coaches, with a quarterback, with a true and prac record. You know, that's some team we're going to kind of have to look to back because the thing with these veteran quarterbacks that we need to remember is they're good for two to three drives every half. Every every half, two to three drives, you're going to be putting up points. If you have a good defense. You can do some stuff. Obviously, the Bucks going into next year, Jesus, you lose your offensive coordinator. Mike Evans could be gone. Ugh, you know, you have to sit through Todd Bowles one more year. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. That South division is completely wide open. So for how bad Carolina is, if they can hit on some free agent signings, get someone good at pick 33, pick 63, um, maybe they can make something because they do have a stout defense, but they would be up against it. So, I mean, that South – that's the division. I really think the South is going to be the division again that kind of looks to steal it with this team that comes out of the blue and you're like, oh shit, they made it. Man, you're four in the books, Eric. I appreciate each and every week you have been here, each and every game. And uh, to, we're recording on Valentine's Day as a true good partner. You even reminded me a few days ago, hey, when we're recording, it's Valentine's Day. So we may want to record a little earlier in the day because I'm sure you don't want to get your your significant other mad at you. So not only are you helping out here, you're also giving me an assist there and reminding me that too and always looking out for me. And uh, man, you've been a, a very great partner, man. I love you. Thank you for all the help. Become a, uh, one of the best friends and someone I talk to more than uh, just about anyone. And I look forward to now uh, transitioning over and talking some basketball and uh, 
and we'll be able to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the Bucks and the Lakers and probably some disappointing first halves of the season for them, but maybe things can turn around for them leading into the playoffs. Yeah, I feel the same way about you. Thanks for having me on. You know, it's been a great four years. Looking forward to many more. And, uh, you know, looking forward to talking some basketball with you uh, starting next week. And your schedule is going to stay the same for all of your shows, right? You still have Tuesday night um, podcast yeah. and then Friday night or when, when all of your stuff usually comes out on Friday for the weekend. Yeah, I have my podcast that comes out on Friday. Uh, going to be shifting, obviously, to a little bit more NASCAR and basketball-centric now with NFL coming out um with nfl coming out with nfl being done uh my buddy brandon who's a professional eye racer comes on and you know we uh talk some nascar is very insightful he's able to um to be insights into the track and everything and it's good because this eye racing thing is these nascar drivers actually train in the eye races so he actually is racing against people that are nascar drivers so we can awesome. kind of have a sense about how they're going to race with the upcoming track. So it's pretty cool. You know, he's on every single week. There's a NASCAR race. So, uh, you know, good stuff. We'll be listening to you, following you uh, always at ETOF21 on Twitter, at ETOF21 Sports all over the place. Thank you, buddy. Have a nice rest of your day, and uh, we'll talk next week, and we'll start talking some NBA. Sounds good. Talk soon. Thanks so much, folks, for listening. We have a lot more to come here on this episode of That's What G Said. Big thank you to Eric for another great year helping us out with NFL every single week. Now uh, we'll make the transition on over and we'll start talking NBA for the final part of the season. We'll also uh, dip into March Madness for a few weeks and get into the bracket when that comes out in what just about a month or so. And let's get to the horse racing portion of this episode with a few best bets for Friday at Santa Anita. Remember, Santa Anita has those Pick'em contests coming up this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Totally free to enter. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. That's the website. 500 bucks to the winner every Saturday, every Sunday. Combination of horse racing questions, like who wins race number one. They'll give you all the selections. Sometimes there'll be head-to-head matchups. And then there'll be sports props. Sometimes just uh, the over-under in a game or the betting line. Other times, which of these players scores the most points. Um, you know, you'll have different kind of combos between the races and some of the uh, sports props. Check it out. Every Saturday, Sunday, 500 bucks to the winner. Just answer those 12 questions. And don't forget about the tiebreaker. Let's talk Friday, Santa Anita. I'm looking towards the back part of the card. Races 7, 8, and 9 are going to be the plays for me. So we're going to look at the seventh race, and I just don't think there's all that much early speed in here on paper. Resultant doesn't want to go. Spogliato's not fast early. Order in law is not been showing as much speed as of late. Um, You have Alligato, who's a deep closer. Haywood's Beach does not want to be forwardly placed. Living Life is a deep closer. You keep on going. Malibu Coast can kind of sit Explain this audit cannot. Single track mind deep closer. Maltese Falcon deep closer. It just keeps coming back to Calm C as really the uh, the major pace in here. I think once again he should have a, a lonely lead and uh, he should be up front and just take them as far as he can go. So I'll give him an opportunity at anything around seven to two or over. He's four to one on the morning line. That's race number seven on Friday. Let's move to race number eight. This one's a little bit of a wild card. The number one elector. He was always supposed to be just better than being at this 20,000 non-winners of three level. He just had some physical issues along the way. 
faced some good company early in his career. He put together back-to-back wins. Then he was in the grade two triple bend. He was only three to one, just under four to one that day. He was overmatched a little. He just didn't really fire. He has a couple troubled trips, but had to be disappointing. And then a couple long layoffs. He just had trouble staying on the track. I love the fact that he's put two races together now, and this is going to be his third start back off the bench. I think you're going to get a good effort from Elector, who who just feels to me like he might be the best horse in this race or still have some of the most upside in this race of anyone. So I'm giving Elector a look. He's 6-1 to one on the morning line. If he's anything over about 7-2, to two, I think that's fine value on him. And then we move to the ninth. I am going to be looking at the number three in here, prancing through Paris. This filly will cut back from a mile on the turf to six furlongs on the turf. She was inside. She was just behind the leaders in that mile race. And she backed off a little bit to fourth. She was three lengths off. She ended up losing to Grand Slam Smile. Uh, She has two losses to Grand Slam Smile, who's now four for six and a three-time stakes winner. I expect prancing through Paris to have a little more punch in here. And she has... I think even more speed than she was able to show in that last race. So she really seems to fit well in this spot, and she's 6-1 to one on the morning line. Let's look at Friday at Santa Anita. A couple of best bets for you on Friday. Let's turn the page on over to Saturday, and let's take a look at Gulfstream Park for Saturday. Let's turn to race number 8, Gulfstream Park, Saturday, February the 17th. This one kicks off the late pick 5 the number eight's the horse to beat, no doubt about it. That's Military Road, who was a, a good third in that career debut in what was a strong race. Conquest Warriors, a horse who was very impressive in winning that. The two Mogo comes out of the strong Born Noble race. I thought he's interesting in here. He hopped a little bit and he broke in. He bumped. Then he got caught in traffic. He was six. He was about three lengths off. He moved in between with some horse. He was up to third, about two lengths off uh, before tiring. Now he's going to get Lasix for the first time. The winner of that race was a big-time winner. And the dam was a grade three winner who won second start. The lone sibling was a three-time winner. I'm expecting Mogo to show up with a good effort. I thought the first-time starter, Juventus, a little bit interesting. The dam won the debut. It's produced seven fulls, all of them winners. For a... Plenty capable barn first time out. Probably use 2, 8, 10, some combinations there in exotics. Moving to the seven, or the ninth race. Five furlongs on the turf, first level allowance, fillies and mares. The number six, Hurricane Debbie. While she's number one on the turf, she can pass horses and she has run well on the grass. So she's probably the horse to beat. I do think Beachland might be the value or the horse to bet in here. She was just behind the leader. She was traveling well in her turf victory she was waiting she got a nice opening on the inside she shot through she'll make the third start of her form cycle dam was a stakes winner on the turf her races look a little bit better than the figures would suggest she's tactical i might try to get out of this race five six the one two and seven they're all obvious but it's a contentious race and i think the five's a little bit better than what the uh just what the speed figures and the buyers would suggest so let's see if we can get out of that ninth with 5-6. I mean, one, two, seven, all super logical. In the 10th race, this one is one of the coast-to-coast pick five races. The race is 10-11-12 at Gulfstream, and then 5-7 and seven at Santa Anita. So I like the four quite a bit, lure him in. 
in this race, Instant Coffee is a multiple graded stakes winner who's going to be making his return to the races. He hasn't raced in 10 months, or 11 now. I think he might be worth trying to take a, a shot against in this spot. I'll use the four, lure him in, who I really liked in the Sunshine Classic, and he was extremely impressive beating Octane that day. Die Vernon, the three, who he's lightly raced, and you sort of go through his form, toss the turf race, his race against Sakil and Churchill off a couple-month break. He was just way, way out of it. Showed a lot more positional speed in the November 17th race, and... I think that versatility could help him if he's able to just sit a little closer at Gulfstream. You don't want to be coming from that far out of it. In this deep race that has a a big field, you figure there'll be a few pace horses, especially horses like Flying Liam, who's drawn towards the outside. Proverb is out there too. That one wants to be close up and forwardly placed. You have Barber Road and Black Belt, Classic Car Wash. Any combos of them? I do think XY point being drawn down towards the inside, coming out of some sprint races, he actually might be the quickest in here. I could see him being right on the lead. And if there's anybody in this race that can kind of get sneaky and and steal this one, I'm going to throw the two in maybe on some deeper tickets just in case there's a possibility of this horse getting brave. So I'll build a lot around two, three, and four there. Moving to the 11th race at Gulfstream Park. This one's the grade three Royal Delta mile and a 16th on the main. Mary Quake Quintreri has never won at this trip, but she has stretched it out to a mile previously, and she doesn't look like it should be any problem when you watch her run. More than that, I think she just needs the setup. The horse to beat, I think, if she's ready, is Honor to Lady, who has one bad race, and that was on soft turf, and she's just showed up and fired every other time. Opus 42 is... Maybe the horse to bet for me. She comes out of a good win at Tampa. And what I really liked is she's starting to show even more that she can sit off the pace. That was a good one. She kind of got trapped in behind horses. She wanted to go, but she couldn't. She waited. And they had to alter course a few times, three or four different times, angle all the way around. She was tons the best in that race. That was her first start in a few months. She could even take a nice little step forward off of that one. So I'll make sure to use Opus 42 all over. Imonra's a, a bit interesting. I feel like the speeds will will really kind of impact each other in here because you have the, you know, you have Yuki, Tizzy in the Sky should be in the mix early. You have Libin, and then if Imonra's close up, so I'm thinking it will set up for a horse like Mary, quite contrary. I'm probably going to use combos of two, six, and eight in here. Maybe throw a Monra in uh, on another one because I, I think she can sit and may have just needed that race to be uh, a little sharper here. Twelfth race at Gulfstream, closing out the Saturday card. The five's probably the horse to beat, perhaps tonight. I thought Stern Chaser, second off the break, just kind of ran a merry-go-round race last time out. She's a little better than that. She can be a little closer. Go Big Green in nice form right now. And Ipanema Princess, probably another one if I was going to include in race number 12 at Gulfstream Park. Good luck there at Gulfstream on Saturday. Let's uh, move on over, talk a little Saturday Santa Anita. So I'll talk about races 5 and 7 from Santa Anita because those were the two that are part of the Coast to Coast Pick 5. Then we'll flip on over and talk about Fairgrounds Saturday with Barry. 
one more reminder that Coast to Coast Pick 5, it's the last three races at Gulfstream Park, and it's races 5 and 7 at Santa Anita on Saturday, and it's a dollar-based wager, 15% low takeout, and this thing pays great. You actually get free DRF PPs. DRF always tweets them out there, as does uh, First Racing and Santa Anita a lot of the time, so just keep an eye out, and uh, you can you know, get some help handicapping that sequence with the free pass performances right off the bat. I'm going to single in the fifth race at Santa Anita, and it's going to be the favorite, the number three, Lada Tori, who just makes so much sense to me in here. Her debut race was back in October. She was slow, uh, early. She made up ground, and you know, it was just a good effort finishing fourth in a field of 10 after a slow start. Then in, on January the 28th, again, she had a slow start, so that's a little concerning, but now she's stretching out to the to a mile. Uh, that race on January the 28th was going six and a half. She was last inside. She was traveling well. She had nowhere to go. She got stopped badly. She was rook- looking for room. She stalled. Um, she got a little bit room late, and she showed a nice little burst. And now she puts two starts together, and she stretches out, and I think she's going to be more forwardly placed in here. I'm expecting a big effort from Laudatory, the number three in race five at Santa Anita, a chalky five to two, but will be the single for me in that coast-to-coast pick five, especially because race number seven at Santa Anita I thought was pretty difficult. You have Hart Headed, who's a dam was a four-time winner and a stakes winner on the turf and bred beautifully for the grass with a couple winning turf siblings. The three, Stay Hot, is a graded stakes winner who's obviously classy, but she's a deeper closer, or he's a deeper closer, so he does need a little bit of help up front. You have Hedwig, who stalled, uh, who was stalking nicely down on the inside, angled off, and, and looked like a pro. And then you have Boltage, who gets back to turf, faced endlessly a couple times on the grass, and endlessly just won the El Camino Real Derby, and then charged for gold on the outside. Speed going longer, cuts back, drawn well down the hill, uh, showed the ability to sit off the pace in that sprint debut going five and a half it was a really nice second last time out behind lord bullington so the one of the races was a little jockey and one of the two in the coast to coast on saturday from santa anita looked a little difficult in what's not the most deep you know field just of seven but i thought contentious where many of them can uh, can get the job done so that's a look at saturday at santa anita a couple of plays there i'll also have a coast to coast pick five play on Sunday that I will post on social media. I'm doing those for uh, Daily Racing Forum right now. Every Saturday and Sunday, we're doing a Pick 5 preview. So if you follow uh, DRF or you subscribe to their YouTube channel, you can see those posted. Um, Usually they post the day before, so they'll post Friday for Saturday and then Saturday for Sunday. Good luck playing that coast-to-coast Pick 5. Let's move on over and talk Fairgrounds Stakes Races. It's a 14-race card on Saturday at the Fairgrounds Risen Star Day. Kentucky Derby points on the line, Kentucky Oaks points on the line, and Barry Spears joins me to talk about the all-stakes pick five, races 10 through 14. Kick back and enjoy. (laughs) 
big day of racing coming up this weekend at the fairgrounds. I am Gino Bacola alongside my good friend Barry the Sniper Spears getting ready to preview a big Risen Star Saturday where 14 races are carded at the fairgrounds. We will talk about the final five in all stakes pick five sequence, $500,000 pick five sequence. You can get free past performances when you sign up for DRF bets. Sign up right now, use the promo code STAKES, and you will get a $200 match deposit bonus. They'll give you 10 free pass performances. Then every time you bet 50 bucks, you will get credit for another free set of pass performances. Barry, buddy, you and I were just talking briefly before we started recording. I thought in the Kentucky Oaks points race, which is the Rachel Alexandra, and in the Risen Star, which is the Kentucky Derby points race, so those are races 13 and 14, I thought they were the most contentious Philly prep race we've seen so far, followed by the most contentious three-year-old Colt boy prep race that we've seen so far. These ones on paper look like they're really strong. I absolutely agree. Um, these are really tough races. And obviously, you know, we're getting closer to the Derby day by day, and these races are going to get tougher each time. So, you know, it, th- these are like, the separator kind of races before you get to the final preps and then ultimately the Derby. But yeah, these, these are some tough races. Um, very interested to see who wins uh, not only for my pockets, but just in general, um, just to see who's headed over to, to Churchill Downs moving forward. So they do a Derby watch uh, segment on DRF with Brad free and with David Aragona. And so they'll check in like once a week now, moving forward from now to the Derby, kind of who's hot, who's not, right? Who's moving up the ranks? What happened over the weekend? Um, what are, what would the odds look like today? Of the 20 horses they have in their Derby Watch 20, five of them are in the Risen Star. Key so, race, you know, for, yeah. for the Derby preps. I mean, last weekend at Tampa, uh, there was a decent... Uh, prep race but i don't think any of those horses or not too many are going to come out of there and run in more preps um so we'll see i mean you know i, I don't gather a lot of those horses going to come back in the tampa bay derby um but you know that remains to be seen but these horses have been out in 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 louisiana you know running at the fairgrounds and they're kind of going through that progression of those races and and it, it's it's tough man it's, these are tough races before the Oaks points race and the Derby points race, there are a couple other stakes races that are very, very challenging. And we're going to get into them right now because they begin in all stakes pick five sequence races, 10 through 14. The first one is a mile and a 16th on the turf course. It's the Al Stahl Memorial Barry. And we have uh, Phillies and mares, four-year-olds and up. Most recently we saw the number three creative Cairo when a similar race, uh, prep race, kind of along the the path here, with a lot of the same type of horses joined the dance with second that day. They both beat Lovely Princess, who was favored in that spot. Creative Cairo joined the dance. They both show back up here with a couple other players, a horse like Spirit and Glory. She makes a lot of sense on paper, but we haven't seen her since August. So I kind of starting point, a couple of the horses who feel like they'll take a good uh, bit of support in here. Yeah, um, you definitely nailed it. Uh, you know, Spirit of Gl- Spirit and Glory is the morning line favorite. Um, but I have a feeling that one won't be the favorite. And the horse that I kind of like, I mean, there's no real surprises here. 
um, is Creative Cairo. I, I think, you know, having that those races over this track means a lot more. Um, not that Spirit and Glory can't win, but, you know, that running style that, that he has or she has um, isn't all that conducive on, on, you know, at the fairgrounds. And being up a little bit closer, which Creative Cairo will be, I think that will make the difference. Um, I saw another horse that I, I wanted to give a nod to at a decent price is Fancy Martini, the seven horse. Um, didn't run all that great in that race last time, the Krantz Memorial with um, Creative Cairo and joined the dance. But this horse has some back class and back kind of races that can win this one. Um, in particular, the, the September 15th race at Churchill, uh, where he won kind of going away at a mile and eighth. Um, that field might have been a little bit tougher than this one. So we'll see. I completely agree about Creative Cairo. And and really, because if you go two races back, she ran a bang-up race when she lost to Lovely Princess that day, when she almost ran her down, and Lovely Princess got a much better trip, and Creative Cairo was way out in the middle of the track. And so she was super live last time, and she was very impressive. And prior to that... She's behind Tufany, who comes back to win next out, and R. Callie Kim, who we've seen, and we just talked about at Golfstream not long ago. It's a really, really sharp horse who had won four in a row before losing in the La Provayant, but finished second that day. So uh, just looking at the company that she faced and how she's been running overall, I think she's the one to beat. I will mention uh, another price in here, though, that I might throw in some exotics. Uh, this one does have a little bit of a, a berry angle as well. <laughs> we look at girl named Charlie, who is a filly that last year, early in middle of 2023 was competitive, was in races like very similar to this right here at fairgrounds. And then stepped up in face graded stakes company, like heavenly Sunday and mission of joy. And that level of horses just seemed like it was a tad too much for her. She's not really running bad races. A lot of these races, I think she's just running into horses that might've been a little too much. And towards the end of the year, her last couple, it seems like she just went a little bit South. Sure. What I love, she comes off a couple month break for a newborn and she shows back up with a career best speed figure. And it wasn't like overwhelmingly better than a couple of her better races, but it was a little better than where she was before. And now she's had a, a month off. Can she take another step forward now? She's had plenty of time to recover. I love that she was able to show that tactical speed again because they went slow, so they put her up real close, and, and she just kicked on. I think she's a, a bit interesting in here as at least a big price horse that can outrun her odds. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. And, and definitely of note here is she runs better when running with Lasix. I mean, you yep. can see that. And she uh, obviously loves fairgrounds. Yes, and she loves the track. So th those are two things in our favor, and she's going to be a big price. And, yeah, she's definitely getting thrown in in exotics, like, you know, and, and, and you know, tries, supers, even exacta. I mean, this field isn't all that super strong. No, it's just um, a big field where a lot right. of things can happen, right? You can exactly. get in traffic, a lot of weird stuff. But there's nobody that really scares the heck out of you. No, no. And and I say I like how they're taking this shot too, because too. this is this is the right place. Only problem is she's trained by the, the same trainer that we like the other horse, Creative yeah. Cairo. But yeah. you know, we've seen people run one two all the time. So it's and, not out of the realm possible. And maybe just being drawn more to the outside, it'll force them to be a little more aggressive. 
just put her in the race a little earlier. So she's not hooked way, way wide. And maybe she can just sit close and get the jump on some of the deeper horses. Join the dance. Tried to do that last time. I think Joel rode her really well. You know, oh, he yeah. put her in a good spot. He got the jump on creative Cairo. He was just second best that day. Yep. That's exactly uh, and that, it. Now I'm a little worried that it was like, that was her race, right? The last one. And she got the jump. Now she's going to be a little more parked out here. Her trip might not be as good as the trip she just got in that last race. So maybe a little difficult, but she fits class-wise with this group. She's not far off. I'm just a little more worried about the trip she might get today. Yeah, I, I think uh, from the 13 hole, they're going to have to force the issue or just completely drop back. And neither situation works out because, no. you know, there's a lot of speed in here. Yep. Right next and, door. Right. Like, exactly. Exactly. You got the other, the nine, not uh, so close, not the eight, not so close. Exactly. At least those couple were, are going to be humming it early. You throw in a horse like lady, where's the ring. They'll also be forwardly play. So I, I thought the same thing. I thought they'd be going pretty quick. Yeah. That, you know, horses like this, I would toss in a race like this and bet them the next time. Because, Completely agree. You know, they're, they're like pattern a, a, horses, right? You want, yeah. well, because they're the types of horses that we bet and we give out. Mm -hmm. So you know that that was the race that we were hoping she won last time at around eight. You know, she was 15 to one. I think she was eight to one ish on the morning line and she floated up. And that was the type of price horse you're looking for on that day. She doesn't. So now I, I'm just not sure there's another step forward right now for her. And she'll, she'll probably not be in a good spot and the price will be better next time. It's yep. just yeah. following, following the pattern of these horses too. So yeah, fun way to start the pick five challenging with a couple logical horses that you feel like are a cut above, but because you have the, you know, the five coming off a layoff and even with the threes running style, sometimes he can get, she can get caught a little too far back. If that happens, then they're certainly beatable in this race and uh, a challenging way to kick off the pick five. Let's get into the graded stakes parade. We have four in a row, a couple grade threes, and then a couple grade twos. First up, it's the mine shaft, Barry. They're going to go a mile and a 16th here on the main track. These are older horses. And when we saw smile happy last time on paper, he looked so good with the way the race was going to shape up on paper. It looked like there was a couple speed horses didn't play out that way. Saudi crown got the lead and jogged. So what's funny is I can take all the horses behind Saudi crown in that race and say, ah, they weren't going to win that race with the way it shaped up. We can eliminate it on the flip side. I would have liked to see a little bit of something from smile happy. I mean, that was the worst just, taking the Derby out of it. That was the worst race he's ever run by far. I mean, he did not even make a dent show anything. So it's like, the the bat the you know you got the little devil shitting on your shoulder and then you got the angel on the other one and they're talking back and forth that's sort of how I feel with Smile Happy. Yeah, I mean he's he's really been kind of inconsistent, you know, throughout his career, um, and it's like when he runs, you don't know whether you're gonna get the horse that's gonna spring to the to the front when he beat um, West Willpower and Art Collector at Churchill in the summer, and then you get you know, a clunker, like, like he did the last time for really, you know, I mean, it, it, he was up against it, but still should have ran better than, than what Something. he did. He kind of packed right? it in. Yeah. Um, 
I've always had a tough time trying to predict when Kenny McPeak's horses will run good. Um, That's and- why I think price, you know, at, at the very least, if he is in the five to one range, he's worth a le- shot. Yeah. Right. At least you throw him into your pick five or your pick four, because it's, you're not taking him at five to two, like he was last time again. But if he does get bet down in this spot, I, I don't love him. The price has to dictate it. I think with the way that you play him in here, be- Cause that just didn't seem there wasn't enough of an excuse for him to run that poorly in there. Sure. He yeah. gets beat. Nobody takes Saudi crown on and Saudi crown wires the field. Sure. But he just off the bench, he wasn't fresh at all. It was. Yeah. So it, it, I mean, honestly, a lot of this race hinges on what gasoline and notary are going to do. Yep. Um, because best actor, if that horse gets a lone lead, it's over. It's what happened with Saudi crown last time. Right. And it's the and, same race. And honestly, best actor, when he does get challenged, he can kind of, you Full. know, he's he's versatile enough to kind of sit sit back, but I don't think that's his that's his no. best. I mean, the horses he was beating doing that, you know, even in the uh, Smarty Jones, he was he was really on the pace. Um the time before that in the Indiana Derby, those horses weren't really that good. Um but you know his last two, he's got lone leads, really easy leads, and he and he's finished it pretty good. I would hope, with this return back to Stakes Company, that this horse gets challenged early and and kind of opens it up for other possibilities. Um, the key is Johnny V, right? Absolutely. I, I think I think Johnny V jumping aboard Gasoline after seeing that Gasoline had shown speed earlier in his career, right? And and I'm not just looking at the race where he wins going 51 and change. Earlier in his career, this horse was a horse who was right off the pace going 23 flat. So he has a cruising speed that they can use, get him in position if they want to. I, what ends up happening sometimes is one once or twice, sort of by accident, he's off the pace and he wins that way. And then you start making that his game. And... See, like he ends up going from two lengths back to three and a half lengths back to five lengths back early. And that's different. Sitting two lengths off is not the same as sitting five lengths off. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you, that's what happens sometimes when a horse, when something happens by, by, by accident, even a horse gets in trouble at the start, comes off the pace, and then you see them not use their speed quite as much. I'm, I'm expecting Johnny V to get a lot more aggressive with this horse in here. Yeah, he he's got to because that's that's really his only shot to kind of mix it up here and, and be in contention. So you know, I would think they would take that away from the horse. But the one that I like here and is the six W. Absolutely, this feels um, like his spot. Right. I mean, honestly, if you take out his Florida races, he fits perfectly here. Um, and he, you know. I mean, I, I can't even explain what happened last year in, in the Sam Davis and the Florida Derby. He just was a complete no-show. But, but the thing is, they're so bad to where you don't even really Outliers. have to explain right. it, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, he just didn't show up those days. It wasn't like he was overmatched or, you know, because in the Sam F. Davis, he's favored that day. It wasn't like that group cl- outclassed him or anything. He just didn't run a right. step. Fire. yeah. And maybe there was a physical issue with him you know, early last year that they didn't even realize because he's off for the the bulk of the year. And then he shows back up. He runs well at Keeneland. He wins that race. And then at Gulfstream Park, man, that was a tough run into yeah, the first turn. 
for a, a lot race. of those horses too. It was a strong, a strong race for the level. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, and and that's what I see. And then him getting Lasix again now probably will will make a bigger difference too. So I think this one is primed for an upset in this race. He's the one in this race we're watching, and Gasoline's actually also in here. He's the nine. Look at Gasoline get parked, and he's in between horses. He's yeah, one, two, three, worst. four, five, six wide in between bumping. Then Gasoline gets squeezed back even more. WNL sits a nice trip inside. Um, what's crazy is like he looks done at one point. He backs up. And, and then he angles out and he comes on again and he keeps trying. It's a really strange race, but uh, you can see he's sitting here on the inside. And right now he looks like he's done. He's backing up down on the inside. And then we flash a little more and you're going to see WNL like angle outside. All right. And there he comes and start again. to run again, <laughs> like in between horses. So I think it, he's running in spots it. and he yeah. has ability, right? It's just, he still has missed a lot of time and a lot of racing. You know, he came back and then he had another couple months off. I love the fact that he's putting two together. I think yeah. he's a must use in exotics. Yeah, he I, that looks like a race the horse needed. You know, yep. where they where they kind of get their legs late in the in the game there, and um, I think he's going to springboard off of that. It's just a matter of what kind of trip he's going to get, and I think he's going to get a good one because you know there's enough speed here if it comes to fruition that he can sit right behind it and, and yeah, get fourth. first run. Right. Yep. And, and that's where you want to be. You know, you get first run at the top of the stretch, especially at, at fairgrounds where they have that really long stretch. Um, he just needs someone else to do the, some of the dirty work for him. Exactly. Right. He, he's think, not going to do that himself and then hold on. He needs someone else to go out there, put a little pressure and he could benefit. And Sias could have him in a really nice spot. I mean, he was in a good spot early last time out when they asked him for run, he was a little short, but then his, like his gameness kind of kicked in when some horses started passing him and he re-rallied. He didn't want to finish last and back all the way up. So I've always thought he was a horse with some ability. You know, we followed him along. He was a horse that was good at two. He had a couple big wins early on and then he won the Remsen. So. Well, look at his first race. I mean, he, he, I, he ran up against instant coffee. Croupy was in that race. Yep. And um, Arthur's ride was that really nice maiden yes. horse who kept losing to like other good horses, you know? Yeah, he lost to Disarm and Instant Coffee before he broke his maiden. And then ran off two straight, went in the Remsen, and then his Florida trip was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Rocky you get him Cannon out of Florida, he probably runs pretty this race good. too. Holy yeah. Bull winner. And who ran in the Derby. So, gasoline, I mean, on, on, on paper, the race. On paper, WNL's you know, body of work might be a little bit better than some of these just based off the company he's been keeping. Absolutely. I felt like money supply and notary – coming out of that same race like notary might get a nice trip in here i just think they're a little soft maybe just yeah. a little cut below some of the the better horses in here who are probably a little more graded stakes winners i thought happy american and red route one with with the kind of murky pace scenario i think they'll be just too far back yes i agree totally um uh, they're, they're there could closes. be some pace and if they if that happens then it'll help you know uh it would help WNL, like we said, it could help smile happy. The horses that are sitting in a better spot. I don't, I just don't like the deep enough, the deep closers in here. Cause I'm not positive. They're going to get the trip they need. I agree. Holy <laughs> fun version of the mine shaft here. Grade three mine shaft. 
coming up in race number 11 on Saturday at the fairgrounds. Let's move to the grade three fairgrounds. This is a mile and an eighth turf race for four-year-olds and up. And once again, the key to the race will be strong quality. And can anyone go with strong quality who is very good when he's able to get a loose and lonely lead? Now, all that being said, he almost got run down by beatbox last time, getting a lonely lead. And now he will have to go farther in here and prove that he can get the mile in an eighth, which we've never seen him do. Yeah, that that's the question for me more than it is the the pace scenarios is can he really or does he really want to go a mile in an eighth? I mean, certainly can get it, um, you know, if the circumstances are right. But I'm not sure. I mean, you know, the, the times that this horse has kind of been over a mile in the 16th without an easy lead or even with an easy lead, he kind of still, backs up. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's, I tough. thought he had won easier until I watched it back. And then I remember like beatbox was really getting to him and he, strong quality was kind of getting, getting a little bit out in there too. And so I, as much as he does look like complete lone speed on paper, he really does. There's nobody that's naturally as fast. Maybe someone wants to try to get a little more aggressive, but he still should have that big commanding length or two early lead. Yeah, and, and that's concerning. I mean, I would think that Beatbox will probably try to get to be a little more forwardly placed and, and yeah. the 11 Gigante. Those are the um, two, right? Would would want to go and maybe even the 12 if the 12 stays and in. have to because of the post. Right. So that might, you know, force strong quality's hand a little bit. And I kind of want to throw one downfield here. There's two horses that that at a prices that look okay to me that you know given that kind of scenario would would pick up the pieces. Uh the first would be number 5 Palazzi um, this horse has been steadily getting better, um, race by race by race kind of went, I think too far the last couple. So you actually the last four, <laughs> I think a mile and eighth is, is really what this horse wants. Um, mile and a quarter to get it obviously, but I think this is more in his wheelhouse. He's, he ripped off three straight, uh, at, at, um, Woodbine to, you know, midsummer into the fall and kind of tailed off. But I think this is a really good spot for a horse like that. You get Cassie who, you know, does ride Tyler quite a bit. Um, they haven't been hitting all that well, but this one seems pretty good. I, I mean, in the Conley, this horse was favored that day um, and, and really didn't run all that well, but and maybe that we was can a excuse prep. the, like you said, both the distance of the last couple and you have two of them are on yielding turf. The last couple times he's been on the grass, you know, maybe it, you know, we can we can build a couple excuses in there. Well, nobody was beating Nation's Pride that no day. No way. He, he ran absolutely the Canadian International. So, and this horse didn't run all that bad that day. No. Um, just you know, Nation's Pride and the top two were really better than everybody else. He started moving, and when when he started the move, he kind of moved into it, and then the top two couple moved and separated. You can see Royal Champion was seven plus clear the third place finisher and then he's right in there with the with the rest i think he's a must use in here if you're if you're using some others he he fits at 15 to 1 let me give you uh um one down inside i thought the two chasing the crown was a player in here he is a horse who lost a strong quality going seven and a half but was not that far behind him since then he won at churchill he comes back he's behind 
Easter and Easter has come out to Southern California. He's won back-to-back graded stakes recently, and Easter has won three in a row. This is a a really nice horse, too, who's up over $560,000 in earnings. So you're losing to a horse like Easter, who if Easter was in this race, he would be heavily favored. And so what what the, why I'm pointing that out is because you know I look at his form and while he doesn't have graded stakes races on there I know he was right on the wire with a graded stakes winner. So in my head I'm not quite as concerned that you know he's stepping up and probably facing a little tougher. He's certainly been capable of keeping company with good horses. He's still lightly raced. He's only raced 10 times. He's only missed the board once. once. He finished fourth that day. He seems just like a horse that they've been it's kind of slow with, right? He's he's a five-year-old. They've had some issues. He's he hasn't been able to string more than a few races together at a time, but he still has some upside here. His speed figure pattern has almost gone all the way up his whole career. It's like he runs a better race every single time. Again, he's not that far behind up to the mark earlier on in his career. So he's kept company with some really nice horses. I I could see him being a player in here, Barry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's just a matter of where they're going to place him in the trip. Yep. But, you know, he should get a decent trip here and, and merits a good shot. I was just concerned that he probably might get bet. Yeah. Um, more than, than that eight, you know, bet down from that eight to one morning line. Um, and I, I wouldn't take too short of a price on a horse like that in, I would in not a either. field like this because it's no more than company. six, no less right. than six for me. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's what you got to kind of keep in the back of your head once you see everything kind of come together. The other horse that I thought had a good shot, and he's he's more of a closer, but has shown some speed in the past, is uh, Harlan Estate. And he's getting blinkers off the nine horse. Yeah, he has shown he, some of that positional speed before. I, you know, yes, I even and, remember. And and I think that he, that's the reason why they're taking the blinkers off because you see those races with the blinkers, it really settled him. Yeah, I mean, he he was just going way back, and that's not going to be ideal in a race like this because I don't think the pace is going to be all that fast. So you got to be in range in order to to, to finish strong. Um, taking the blinkers off, I think, will do that for this horse. Um, it, I mean, been keeping really good company. You know, you see throughout the, you know, beaten by up to Mark also. Yeah. Uh, set piece in the Arlington Million or Arlington 650,000. Two Emmys um, went wire to gate to wire last time out. There was no passing in that race. Right. So, you know, it, form is a little muddied up a little bit. And I think this the, the price on this horse might go up, but his chances are probably better than than what people might perceive. Only uh, one that we may, yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about the two outside horses, uh, or two of the outside horses, like Beatbox and Gigante. If they can put themselves in a good spot, they're kind of interesting too. If they can sit close and not necessarily just be dueling strong quality, can they just sit right behind strong quality, hope the horse stops, and and maybe they're the horses who take advantage. Gigante has some good races. Yeah, he does. <laughs> you know, he's, like, he's kind of one of those horses that is like on the fence of making the ticket or not. He, and, and exactly. <laughs> Cause he, he's the, he's the horse that you get mad that you leave out. Right. And wins. I don't get mad yeah. if I leave the favorite out and they beat me. It's like, ah, okay. You know, I, I took a shot there. My approach was trying to beat the favorite. It's the horse like this. That's an eight, 10 to one shot that you were thinking about. And you can, see them really falling into a nice spot. 
So yeah, if you're using this race as a spread out race, throw this one in because he, uh, he could fall into a really nice trip and, you know, you start going through all of his form. He doesn't have that many bad races either. No. And even the ones where he's not hitting the board, they're kind of sneaky. You know, he's in the Virginia Derby here behind integration program trading runaway storm in this amazingly like monster next out race. <laughs> he's, you know, the Brian station race was not bad at all. And he's only beaten a couple lengths and he has legitimate trouble that day. So some of these are, are sneaky. We see instant coffee pop up again. He's actually uh, popping up this weekend at Gulfstream park. He's making his return to the race as multiple graded stakes winner, instant coffee. So again, another fun, challenging race on the undercard for the risen star. As we get closer and closer to previewing that risen star, let's get to the Rachel Alexandra next. That is race number 13 Kentucky Oaks points on the line for these Phillies. Honestly, Barry, any one of these Phillies can win any one of these seven. It's that challenging. There's you could put these seven into a couple tiers if you want on some of them who have been a little more proven, but from inside to outside, any one of these horses winning wouldn't be that much of a shock to me at all. No, I mean, all these horses are very good. Um, you know, have the, the, the chops to compete here. Um, even the longest shot on the board, um, the two horse or the three perfect shot. I mean, if that horse wins, are you really going to be surprised? Probably No, because she not. drew the rail last time because right. we liked her. We talked about her, mm -hmm. and she was just kind of pinned in, and West Omaha got to sit on the outside and make her run, and perfect shot had to get kind of shuffled back and lose some of that momentum and then come on again. I'm not saying she was going to beat West Omaha that day, but the race would have been a little closer, and if she gets a slightly different trip and a little improvement, wouldn't shock me at all. And you have, you know horses I, how i was kind of grouping this race was was mainly you've got the horses that are starting their season like intricate and vv's dream who are obviously hoping for the kentucky oaks and intricate won the grade two goldenrod last time out super impressive in her two races going long you got vv's dream who won the pocahontas was the runner-up in the alcibiades then she was on a sloppy track last time out in the rags to riches you could probably you know give her a pass on that one, another Philly who I'm sure has big plans for the Oaks, but for both of these Phillies, this will be their first start of the year. And they'll probably hope to run in this race, the fairgrounds Oaks, and then the Kentucky Oaks, right? So they're yep. probably trying to get ready for their next race and their third start off the bench. If they want to run that way to be primed and ready for their best. And you got a couple other horses that are like Alpine princess and West Omaha, who are more of the now horses who are just a little bit sharper because they've got some more recent races and a little bit more seasoning. And maybe they're not quite as good. And maybe down the line, they may not be as good, but they might be a little more ready for this spot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's just tough in this race in particular. It's cool. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think Brad Cox is holding all the cards here. I like West Omaha quite a bit in this spot. I like, all of her races from the first to now, all four of her races were excellent. I know she got beat in the untappable, um, but followed that up with a, with a really nice score um, in the silver bullet day. And, and I think that one was the key. It looked like the horse kind of figured it out and just finished really strong. I, I think that trend will continue. She's obviously training forward into this race. You see the, the last bullet there um, 11 out of 119. Um, 
Louis Sai is, is the master at getting horses in position. Um, Alpine Princess, the other one of the other Brad Cox horses, and there's another one, the inside horse, who I really don't like all that much, but man, you, you can't really count that horse out either. Yeah, what, um, what is nice about her in this race is that she has shown some real versatility. So in a small field like this, you know, she won on the lead last time out here at Fairgrounds. Mm-hmm. Two starts back, she's sitting just off the pace. And earlier in her career, when she breaks her maiden at Saratoga, she has to come from a little farther back. And that was going seven. So she's shown multiple dimensions. And in a, it's not a huge, a huge field, but in a field like this that might be evenly matched, could see her just getting different trips you know, that others may not like, and and she'd probably be okay there. I I think I'm going to use three horses in here, Barry, and I'm definitely using who you mentioned, Wes Omaha. I'm going to use Alpine Princess, I think, for the reasons I just said. And I think Intricate might just be the best. And I think I'll probably go four, five, seven. Try to see if Vivi's dream needs a race for her best again, like we're talking about with McPeak, we, we always Bob when McPeak weaves, you know, never, never necessarily <laughs> know it, but uh, I think that's how I'm going to approach this particular race. And I, I could see, you know, pinnacle go. I could see Tarifa with Pratt, even trying to get a little aggressive here and, and hold some of that inside positioning. And, and then it'll be a real riders race. Cause a lot of these Phillies are talented and tactical. The one thing I, I, I would note is that, um, I'm not sure, but maybe Vivi's dream is run the best she has and probably will. Um, she kind of freaked in the Pocahontas. Yeah. And I don't know if she can get back to that. Um, and that's, we have those concerns with two-year-olds every year, right? That run the big figures and they're maybe just a little precocious, a little bit ahead of theirs, a little ahead of the, everybody else. And now, I mean, we just saw it with fierceness in that first start back mm-hmm. even. You know, absolutely. And and it's definitely something to, to think about because, you know, these are lightly raced horses and it's hard, um, you know, to really get a good gauge on, on what they're going to do off the break. I mean, even a horse like Intricate, who, you know, has talent. You've seen it. Um, hasn't been out since November 25th. And they may be so, asking her to work hard kind of in between horses to keep up in a spot, you know. Right. And, and you know, there's there's very little margin of error, though. Um, as far as the, the, uh, the Oaks trail, because if, if she runs okay here, I would gather they're going to go to the next spot, but it's like, are they better run well there? Right. Exactly. So they got to win one of these races or finish second in both. Yep. Um, so it's a, it's a tough task, especially with these lightly raced horses. They, they, you know, we've seen horses just throw clunkers in for whatever reason, especially these young ones that are still trying to figure out how to run. Really cool race. Um, just nobody on the morning line above 10 to 1. Tarifa, who's now going to step into Stakes Company, she lost to Denim and Pearls, who's a nice horse, and Ice Cold. She's won her other two. Super talented. She won on the undercard of the uh, Lecompte Day, where some of these horses were in other stakes races. Penick, he won and was really impressive. This is just a lot to ask. Going yeah. from five and a half on the slop to a mile and a sixteenth, uh, or for her to ask against other seasoned horses, stakes graded stakes quality horses. Yeah, I mean, obviously that horse is probably going to be on the engine along with you know Alpine Princess probably pressing the pace there, yeah. and, and and it just looks like that one is just the rabbit for everybody else. Yeah. 
super talented. And on speed figures, she's not completely overmatched. It's just making your second start in your career and your second start back off of that long, long layoff. I don't know if there's quite enough seasoning yet, but if she runs well here, she might be the type of Philly that you keep an eye on because, you know, she may be one of those really talented Phillies. That's just ahead, ahead of herself. And with more foundation, um, keep an eye on her a cool Philly prep race by far the most interesting of all the Philly prep races. So far. One other thing before we we move on. Um, it's it's really going to be strange how this race is going to be bet. Uh, I completely agree. I, I would think that Vivi's dream would would not be five to two at post time. I think Marcus Hirsch said he thought fifth choice. Yeah, I was going to say he knows this circuit better than any you know. Right, he's there paying attention to him and <laughs> and writing articles and previewing these races. And I I don't think she's favored at all. Yeah, I, I I don't see how that that's possible. Um, intricate either. You know, I, I would think Alpine Princess is going to be the favorite. That wouldn't um, shock me. Yeah, Al, or, or I wouldn't West be shocked. If, me too. I think those are one. I wouldn't be shocked if they're one, two prices. Those two. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's going to be interesting. You know, I I mean, look at Vivi's dream last race is 19 cents on the dollar. It's crazy and lost. <laughs> and even prior to that, after that big effort in the Pocahontas came back and, you know, was a little disappointing in the uh, in the Alcibiades, lost to a horse named Candied. But. The thing about Vivi's dream, and and maybe we'll, I guess we'll see, she has taken a ton of money in all of her starts. Every but this time. feels just different. Like this group does feel a little more challenging than what she's been dealing with. And uh, you have some sharp horses right now. That is the grade two. Rachel, Alexandra, Barry, as we turn the page to the Risen Star, tell all the folks out there about uh, – Going in circles, big Mondays. What's going on with you and uh, and Chuck Simon and uh, everything that you have going on? Yeah, we're uh, you know doing what we do. Uh, you know, our opinions are on our podcast every Monday, uh, Big Monday Show, which really comes out on Tuesday. I guess that's the misnomer. Uh, but yeah, we have a good time. You know, discussing the races and discussing the issues within the sport, um, and and you know even offering up solutions every once in a while on how we can try to fix this thing uh to, to keep everybody in the in the style they're accustomed to but uh it's something that we love doing it's not like you know we get any any kind of payments from anybody so we're, we're kind of independent and, and we're allowed to speak freely and and that's what we kind of enjoy about it because in in the racing media it's not always that easy um but it gives people a, a kind of a soundboard and, you know, we're, we're always open to feedback questions. We interact with everybody. So it's, it's really good. Um, at least for me, I love it because, you know, I get all kinds of perspectives from every angle of the game. And, you know, Chuck is so knowledgeable in, in all aspects of the game. You know, he, even, even in harness racing, he knows a lot about this industry and uh, I've learned so much from him and you should give a listen. If you haven't already, give it a listen. Going in circles, big Mondays on a Tuesday, uh, each and every week, <laughs> as we flip on over to the Risen Star. Oh, I'll, I'll mention one more thing before we do. Contest players, if you are someone who likes to play in contests, if you like to try to get qualified for the NHC and the big tournaments, the next couple of weeks there are a lot of really fun feeders going on. Uh, there's the ultimate betting challenge that is on March the 2nd, and that gets you a couple NHC seats packages um, for next year. 
if you want to try to qual that that thing costs six thousand dollars to enter it's a big entry contest but there's a bunch of the forty dollar feeders right now like the next couple weeks and those forty dollar games get you into a six hundred dollar game and then you can get right into a uh a $6,000 game. So for just 40 bucks, you qualify to a bigger tournament and then you can qualify to get your seat in the big one. I know people uh, watching this are probably some tournament players out there. You can always check out that schedule, uh, expressbet.com and slash the tournaments. I'm usually doing weekly videos and weekly uh, uh, schedule stuff now to let everybody know. Cause those, those are the ones I like to try to get into Barry. Some of us, you know, yeah. the six, 6,000 is tough, even sometimes five or 600 for a tournament. Where, you know, if you could play all day and your bankroll and you don't even know if you're going to get any of that back, that's a lot. That's hard to fork to fork up. But 40 bucks, some of these tournaments in the middle of the week, you know, they're that's that's a nice way to to uh, to try to get in. And, you know, if you're playing in a six thousand dollar tournament and you only spent 40 bucks, you already feel like you won. Right. I, I've done it. I mean, that's that's how I, I kind of played when I when I did play tournaments all the time, you know, get in early in the week. And then, you know, attack it on the weekends uh, yep. in the bigger tournaments. And, and your ROI is, is that much better because you get in for 40 and you're into a, a, a let's say, a tournament for 20,000. You place in that tournament. You're you're way ahead of the game. We're going to get you some winners right now for the Risen Star. Grade two Risen Star is going to go as race number 14 on Saturday at the fairgrounds on this marathon card. This one's going at 7.17 p.m. Eastern time, Perry, late into the evening even on the east coast there and wow just going through horses who are talented major players right right now i mean honor marie earned a 92 buyer speed figure winning the kentucky jockey club sierra leone was in the remsen ran down dornich took about a length lead on one of the most biased tracks you'll ever see <laughs> where everything inside was winning. Nobody was closing. This horse came from way out of it, took the lead, but then Dornich comes back. You've got Moonlight for Pletcher, who's been in a couple stakes, and you just get the feeling that he's better than what he's shown on paper. Real Men Violin was the runner-up in the Jockey Club. Hall of Fame earned a 94 buyer and has been a real buzzy horse over the last few weeks. Catching Freedom... I feel like this horse might get forgotten about in here and he's just done very little wrong. He won the smarty Jones and he's won two of his three starts. Cardinale was impressive finishing second last time out the change of command. And uh, you got track phantom who's won three in a row, won the Lecomte last time out. This is a legit, legit prep race. Yeah, this is, this is a tough race to handicap because they they all look really good. And in any given scenario, one of these horses obviously would win. Um, and it could be anybody. I, I really, the only one that I would say are the two inside horses that probably don't have a shot just because they're just slow. Um, yep. But everybody else has a real shot. So there's 10 other horses um, that could jump up and win this. And I, I'm not going to, you know, side with any favorites here. I normally don't. Um, but I thought Moonlight stands a really good chance in this race. And and I'm very interested to see how horses come out of those races at Aqueduct because the, the surface is, has been really, really deep. And when it's wet, it gets like quicksand. And we've seen it last year when um, Fierceness came out of a race at Aqueduct into the Breeders' Cup. And that horse just was better. Like his first, his first race was really, really strong. His, his maiden breaking race 
for fierceness was really strong on a wet track and then went to this wet track again on the same at the same track and didn't run a step so it's real finicky surface and i don't know if you know this horse is actually going to run in this spot because he is dual entered into a race earlier on i the think card. the plans at least were early in the week to run in this spot i hope he does because i think he has a really good shot and then the other one is the one next door real men violin i i think that one is definitely uh on the rise in learning you can see through the past performances this horse is getting better and better better never out of the money um and i don't expect anything different but then you got the the mcpeak factors like when is this horse gonna kind of run but this one runs every time so hopefully that that trend will continue hall of fame right next door he's he's kind of a tough one for me because he was close up his rival um you know he is kind of close up he pushed then he put away the rival and he and he crushed the field he's in a little bit of traffic early in his start he couldn't make up a whole ton of ground late in that race mm. he he's i mean he's really intriguing because we saw we see the big figure but i don't love him as a top horse or anything in here the horse i i mentioned kind of previously i i would not be shocked if catching freedom gets a little bit forgotten about in this race i, yeah, I could see awesome. him being like six or eight to one because i feel like hall of fame is going to take money and i think sierra leone and honor marie are both going to take money so I do think catching freedom could float up a little bit. You know, you got to go through his form overall, his race at Oaklawn park last time out and smarty Jones. He was squeezed back a bit in between horses. He was inside. He's about five lengths off and he had to go really wide. It took him a little bit to switch leads, but when he did, he kicked away really nicely. And I think he's got another gear to move forward on lost to a horse named parchment party. In his only loss, this was a strong race. Parchment Party came from way out of it. This is a nice Bill Mott horse who I think, unfortunately, they said they're going to have to give a little time off. Um, and First World War, who was second in this race, we just saw come back to finish second in the Mucho Macho Man and then won the Kitten's Joy on the turf. Third place finisher came back out of that race to win at, an allowance race at Churchill Downs. So I thought overall in a contentious race, this is one that I I'll definitely be using him with a few others. Cause I, I could see him kind of getting lost in the mix a little, cause he doesn't have the, the monster speed figures like a couple others do. And he's more, he's like a little more workman like. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, he, he could definitely get overlooked here. One thing about hall of fame. I do want to note is, you know, they obviously paid 1.4 million for him, but, Theoretically, I mean, you see the buyer numbers in 94. How much better can this horse actually get? In this and, star in just a month, not even a month. Right. And that's that's what gives me a little bit of pause on that horse. Is like, well, you know, the, you ran this big figure. I would say you'd probably have to pair that up to win this race. I agree. I would rather see a horse kind of jump up and, and, and run a bigger figure than the horse kind of coming down or backwards. Um, that's just, I guess, personal preference. Me too. Same way. I mean, just but, look at the, like the progression that we've seen from real men violin or from catching freedom, where you see these horses progressing a little bit, even a horse like, um, you know, moonlight who you can give it a couple excuses for poor performances on off tracks, most likely go back to the dirt. Hope he can get back to that form. Same thing for Sierra Leone and Anna Marie. 
you saw them progress. Now, can they take another step forward after having time off? They've got time off now to, to mature a little bit, you know, to get a little bit older, to grow and develop. So it, it sounds like you and me are both a little cold on Hall of Fame. Yes. I think yes, it's not yeah. like just kind of talking it out here. Cause I agree. I, I just like some of the others in here a bit more in this spot. I, it wouldn't shock me if this horse is really talented. If he runs like a bang up second in here or third, something like that. But, it, and that's how I'll know he's really, really good. But if he wins this race, this is going to be a lot to ask for him wheeling back in less than a month against some other real seasoned horses. Yeah, and another horse that I'm kind of cold on is Sierra Leone. I I just didn't I didn't even like his reps, <laughs> to be honest. He he probably should have won that race and and flattened out. And I think with the door knock thing, I think that he quit more than door knock came back, and that that kind of concerns me a little bit, especially at a short price. That's why I'm kind of looking elsewhere. I don't think Sierra Leone is going to be favored in in this spot. I think the morning line is a little bit off. Um, I, I could see, you know, track fandom taking a lot of money, um, just, just because of all the speed that he has. And, and it doesn't appear that there's a lot of speed, but I, I think the nine might be able to, to get out and go. And maybe a few others will, will kind of have to, you know, the, the horse outside of him, yeah. he could really be a nuisance, you know, be dancer just coming out of a six furlong race and making life difficult on track phantom, because I will say he, we, I tried to beat him last time and I, he's the type of horse who I've tried to beat a couple times. He's honest and, and, and you know what you're going to get, but at this point, got easy him, trips. yeah, that I was just going to say, does he, can he sit off at all? I don't know. And I don't, I don't think so. Um, he's drawn to the outside. So it, if, if someone inside of him goes, it'll be a good testing spot for him to see if he can sit off a little bit, but yeah, he's hard to knock his overall form. I just, I still need him to kind of prove it a little to me more. Yeah. And, and that makes total sense because, you know, he may be in a spot where he's going to get a horrible trip. I, I know Cardinal um, finished behind. He's got to go with Pratt. Yeah, he should. And, and, and I think. All of that, Fame's going to be close too. He's not going to be far out of it. Right. He's not going to be too far out. So, you know, the pace could get honest. Um, you know, Cardinal is coming out of that race uh, behind change of command who didn't really run all that well at Tampa. I, you know, whether it was the surface or, you know, just didn't like the track or, you know, whatever. Um, I, I'm really interested to see, especially blinkers coming off, which is a little strange to do in a race like this. Um, I don't know. Th this is a really tough race to, <laughs> to come up with somebody, you know, bona fide that you really like a lot. I wouldn't um, knock. I wouldn't knock the ten all that much. Even honestly, resilience who debuted, you put eliminate that race. You know, really wide go, chasing locked, who was awesome in that spot. Yes. Comes back, finds second behind stronghold. Actually, out finishes track phantom that day. Then loses to Nash when when Nash wins by ten <laughs> in a race where Nash just jogs in in a when resilience had a little foundation and got a trip. He won and he won impressively and he may not have to be too far out of it. You know, like we've seen in a couple of his races when he's run his best races, he was sitting two to three lengths off and Johnny V's aboard for Bill Mott. He's a price. He doesn't seem too far behind some of these and he's progressing. 
you know, he's a torch. Maybe you throw in a pick four or pick five in a race where people are spreading. Absolutely. I'm, I'm including that horse because it, I, I think if this horse doesn't run well here, he's going to go right to the turf. But sure. Um, there, I mean, he, he's, he's definitely able to compete. His numbers are good. He's right there with all these horses. It just needs to step up a little bit, just like everybody else, for the most part, other than other than uh, Hall of Fame, who who's run a big number. Um, man, this is a tough race. <laughs> it is. It is challenging. It is fun. And if you're watching this on uh, on social media, share who you like in this race because it is a challenging one. And Barry and I would love to pick your brain a little bit and hear from yeah. you out there. But we want to pre- uh, say thank you to everyone out there. We really appreciate all of you hanging out with us each and every week. We were able to really focus on fairgrounds this week with a nice five stakes races to end the card. And uh, Barry is here with me each and every week talking wherever the biggest races are. Uh, I think next week there's some good racing at Oaklawn. I think they have the the Southwest and a couple other uh, or the Rebel. No, South, Southwest. Right? Southwest, yeah, Southwest, and then Rebels uh, in March, and, uh, and they have a few on the undercard. So they'll be sort of the focus of uh, of the racing world next week. Make sure to give Barry a follow and check out Going in Circles Big Mondays. Make sure to give me a follow on social media. If you're listening on the podcast, that's what G said. Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us there. And uh, well, I always put together. Uh, everything that we you see in videos all on the podcast. So a lot of times that will have coverage of racing from Gulfstream, Santa Anita. This weekend, it'll be Fairgrounds as well. Coast to Coast Pick 5 analysis. We recap the Super Bowl this week. Chad Cooper joins me to talk uh, all about The Rock and Roman Reigns and <laughs> Cody Rhodes and everything going on on the road to WrestleMania. So that's all on the podcast. That's what G said. But you'll always hear Barry Spears here with me each and every week talking some of the biggest races in all of the sport. Gino's friend, the hardest man, hardest working man in the industry. And then oh. some, if you want to go back <laughs> outside of it to Thank basketball, you, you do football. I mean, man, if you're not following Gino, I don't I, you're missing out, man. Thank you, my buddy. I always appreciate talking with you. You always lead me to a few horses that weren't quite on my radar. And I hope we lead all of you out there to some winners. Uh, Good luck, everyone. And uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Let's hear the soothing sounds of Joey with that call to post as we say goodbye. Big thank you to Barry for helping us out with Fairgrounds. Let's finish up this episode with This Week in Wrestling. Chad Cooper joins to discuss everything going on in the world of wrestling with WWE, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! It's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Koopaloop, last we talked, there was a press conference, a WWE kickoff press conference from WrestleMania. 
and it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, the way they did it, it was like a huge, big storyline angle for over about an hour. Crowd was all all fired up to boo Rock. We saw Rock basically turn heel last week on Thursday. Cody made it announced that he's going to go after Roman Reigns. We still really don't know if there's going to be a tag match or what exactly is going to happen on night one um, for our main event. But wow, they, you know, they, they did get to Cody versus Roman rock and Roman now seem to be on the same side. We got Roman uh, rock and triple H going at it a little bit. There was a, a lot that comes out of that press conference. Just uh phenomenal stuff. Um, whether you think we were worked, whether you think uh, we had a grassroots movement um, with the WWE universe and they listen loud and clear, regardless which way you believe. Uh, incredible work. Incredible. Um, I know it's Super Bowl week. Uh, last week when they held this in Las Vegas at what T-Mobile, uh, the thing was packed, sold out. Just incredible storytelling cinema everything you could think of and you would want to happen um took place at that press conference that we were you know you know what are we going to do you know do we want the rock uh in a match and now there's just you know usually we have okay this is the winner of the royal rumble gino uh over the next couple of weeks that person this you know he goes on smackdown goes on raw does a little tease or two, and then, hey, I am challenging you for the world title. We will main event uh, WrestleMania. And now it is, uh, instead of just having, okay, this slow build, and, hey, there's still some time. What are we going to do? We know they're definitely not going to coexist with each other. Um, and especially now with two nights, you've got, you know, you've got to fill a, in a stadium with two nights now there's all kind of options and as you were saying what's wrong with rock and roman versus cody and seth tag match night one and we go to night two and those titles are on the line in night two and we go from there it is just uh i, I don't know man it just gave you chills especially when you you know not for cody's sake but when he slapped cody across the face and I just thought, oh, wow. And just everything carrying over to SmackDown, to Raw, the promos being cut. Hell, even Becky, you know, making that great promo about, you know, having to tell her child, you know, that uh, daddy may have to beat up. What, Maui? Is that the his character? In the, that, was, that was so great. Uh, the Rock. It's, it's, yeah. Just, yeah, it's just everything. Yeah, it's just everything is so good right now. And we get the Rock and Roman on. And, and look. SmackDown, 2.5 million, 2.6 million last Friday, and that's without Roman Reigns, that's without The Rock, and those guys are going to be on this Friday night. It's just, man, it's telling stuff, and this is the way uh, we have uh, come to appreciate what WWE is now doing, especially on the road to WrestleMania with these big storylines. And, you know, this is, uh, we talked about a great job what Triple H has been doing over the last year or two. But now since it's really his baby, this is incredible, Gino. And why this is really good is because they've 
found a way to twist it to make it what the fans want and they want to root for and they want to boo for. Now, let me explain that a little bit more. The The Rock was going to come in and The Rock was always going to get a good response. But, but the timing of this all, when The Rock came in right now and sort of took this would have been title match away from Cody, that bothered a lot of fans. And it, it and I think there were the people that were bothered by it. I chat. I think most of them were in my camp, and it was more of the, oh, I I'm not bothered by the Rock being here at all. I just wish they could have <laughs> done the timing of this differently, or hell, had him win the Royal Rumble if you're going to do it yeah, that way, true. right? Yeah. If you so that was yeah. my whole thing is that. Damn, why did you have Cody win the Rumble, point at the sign, do a few of those things if that wasn't going to happen? If you had a a different plan. Why I am so happy right now is because whoever's decision it was, Triple H, The Rock, Nick Khan, Cody, Roman, they all were able to either sit down together or at least all of them realize that, hey, right now, the best thing to do, let's make Rock a heel. And let's lean into this. And that will eventually lead to a Roman and Rock match if we want down the line. And I love that they didn't try to do, they didn't try to force it like square peg round hole like Vince used to do, right? When Vince would would get that guy or girl that he wanted and he liked, and even if the crowd weren't behind them, he was going to push them. And even if the crowd was cheering for somebody else, he wasn't going to care. This time... They didn't even let it get to that point at all. And The Rock said, you know what? I'm not going to have a crazy ego here. I'm not going to be bothered that every person out there isn't cheering for me and and loving me. I'm going to make this the best as possible. I'm going to be the best heel. I'm going to play the best character I can. And whoever was able to get this all done, I applaud them. Because two weeks ago, we weren't sure that that was going to be the case. And the key word that you said or the key phrases you said were – if this took place this way, um, wowzers, because you, you it, at the indie scene, the lower level, lower, lowest level of professional wrestling, there's egos. If these, if these gentlemen were able to sit down and say, yes, 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 let's do this. I mean, the stars aligned. And how many times does that, does that happen? In, Not in, much. In anything. I mean, even in shows that you think are going great characters leave hey you're not paying me enough oh you know you know you're seeing stuff with like yellow zone and stuff people may be leaving mm-hmm. you just don't see this a lot and when you're in and when you get someone involved like the rock and yes we know he's not as big as taylor freaking swift moron um, but he's the biggest star they've you, ever had in this company and and yeah, like, ever as much, ever, as much as Cody, ever he's the reason as, yeah all the fans love sure. Cody. The Rock is a ten time bigger star than Cody. Absolutely, we'll get Absolutely. way more eyeballs on a hey, wrestling. Look, let me tell you, and Gino, there's not as many that are vocal because there are there is a generation that were big time Rock fans during the Rock's heyday that didn't move over to social media and they don't get on there and voice their very opinion true and protest i i talked to numerous people that like man i was really looking forward to seeing the rock and roman reigns that'd really be cool do you think that's gonna happen and i'm like man it doesn't look like that anymore he's man i want to see the rock wrestle one more there's a lot of people they're just not as vocal 
hundred percent. And that just, we don't know, we don't, we don't hear from them as much because they're not on social media, more of the silent majority right, right. type, right? Or the silent, at least 50, 50 in this case to where I completely agree with you. So I'm not, it, to, it, it's not that, um, that, you know, the rock would, and, and that's, what's gotta be what was probably difficult for the rock coming into this. Like, I know I'm a bigger star. I know this has been a story that we've been wanting to tell for longer, even with the tribal chief and with Roman and the rock, but it was, you know what, this time right now, they've built Cody for two years, kind of to this moment. I'm going to take a step back. I don't need to be the baby face here, but I can dude. when you, when they walked out of that, it felt like the rock. It felt like Roman Reigns was the rock's little brother. You know what I mean? Like just the way, <laughs> it, the way did. it was, he it did. did the rock. He was able to, Make Cody the baby face, but also walk out of the place still feeling like the biggest star. You know, it was like it was it was amazing watching The Rock stand there while the people were booing him. And he's just standing for like a minute looking at him and just he's like silently turning heel. Just by look. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And look, earlier that day, I think he I think he dropped several hints when he went full baby face on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. The, the Cody, Cody cry babies, <laughs> you know, and I think we're probably going to get some of those t-shirts. So Gino, we're seven weeks away from WrestleMania. Okay. We're seven. As we head into SmackDown, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Are you booking that tag match? Not at elimination chamber. It doesn't need to be an elimination chamber. I think you and I, or maybe it does. I don't know. What are you booking between Cody, Seth, Roman, and The Rock going into WrestleMania as we are seven weeks away. What would you do with the with these four men? Yeah, I mean, I think there needs to be a match with those guys in a tag, I think, before WrestleMania. Now the only So it needs to are, be at Elimination Chamber, right? So well, so here was here, or either either at WrestleMania or or like WrestleMania night one. I think what am my point before Roman faces Cody. Would 100%. be my way of saying it. Yes. Yeah, 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 is is yeah. a better way of saying it. So the problem is the health of Seth. How sure. when is Seth Seth going to be ready to go? What what would have happened in the olden days? We would have had that at a Saturday night's main event. Yeah, yeah. That would have been the tag match two weeks before WrestleMania to, to try to sell more <laughs> WrestleMania tickets. tickets. Yeah. And I almost wonder if there's a way of doing something like that on the network, even you have this event or you were to do it. Cause I don't know if you do it on a Monday night raw or a SmackDown. It just would seem so weird for the rock to be wrestling on TV. I just keep yeah, the go home show. Yeah. You, like the timing. I just keep coming back to, I think it's going to have to be night one mainly okay. for because of Seth, like if Seth was healthy right now, then maybe you do an elimination chamber. You do the tag match yeah, and, there. And, and I think we have we would have seen Seth work already mm-hmm. if he was one hundred percent healthy. Me too. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think this could headline now. How do you book that match? The heels go over, right? Yeah, I think so. I think the huh. heels would go over there, and he gets solo involved. Maybe you know they would cheat. He's. Yeah, they would cheat. He's like over like 30. He hasn't won a match in forever, and he's kind of really cooled off now that The Rock is back. So maybe something comes up with him. I don't know. But night one, a tag a tag match would headline WrestleMania with The Rock and Roman Reigns is 
it, it's pretty crazy. And then you turn around night two, and it's Cody and Roman. But, but then it's like, Maybe can the Rock Seth wrestle corner? two nights in a row if he's hurt? You know what I mean? If he's Man, just coming off know, of yeah, being you, hurt. You, you, that's another question. You can question. hide them in a tag match. Yeah. yeah you, hide, you hide injuries in tag matches, but it doesn't take but a step or two, you know? I think Seth is losing the title regardless at WrestleMania. And maybe that's whoever it is. And maybe that's part of it. Why yeah. he loses it. Because he has to yeah. wrestle two nights in a row. And you can make that part of the story. Is that Seth is still banged up. They the tag hey, match look, the night before Gino, they get beat down at the t- end. You know, and let's so, not take away from what Seth freaking Rollins has been doing in this storyline with Drew and now it looks like Sammy. And look, they're 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 Wanting you to feel so bad and so for Sami Zayn, he's losing, he's losing, he's losing. You know, Drew. We keep hearing from these dirt sheets uh, that Drew McIntyre's contract is up. Let me tell you something, Drew McIntyre. I I would be shocked if Drew McIntyre left the WWE. There's no way. If if he does, it's not a smart move for him. Right now, he no. Is, he's already it's already happened once. He, in and right now, he's in an incredible spot. Just because he's not winning the world title or he has not won the world title recently doesn't mean he's not. He's on TV, cutting incredible promos. He's obviously getting to speak in his voice. He's doing some of the best work he's ever done. I I, I just don't know why you would want to go somewhere different and change that. He's got a built-in feud with Punk already set up for when Punk returns and. The dude this is storyline with Seth and Sammy is, is phenomenal. Awesome. That's that that's my point. It, it, look, yeah. And, it, and it's so crazy how the bloodline storyline was just you talk about colder than cold. Like I said, Solo has is what over his last 26. Literally, he hasn't won a match. And I don't know how long Jay and Jimmy are on opposite rosters. One of them's hurt. One of them's now. Looks like he uh, Jay is in Gunther. But now we're getting that on Raw next week. What I'm saying is this storyline is cooking with Seth, Drew, and Sammy. If that's the way they go for a triple threat on night two, man, I'd love for that that match to open night two. This, this is that's this is phenomenal work, and a lot of it has to do with Drew and uh, and Sammy. Sammy's t- telling this story too, Gino, that he's losing all these matches. He's you know what happens. You know what happens when when guys or girls lose a bunch of matches? They reward them. They build them up to the ultimate underdog. But man, how could you keep the title away from Drew? I don't know. But this storyline, I, I, don't let it get lost with with all the Rock Roman stuff. That's what I'm saying. So this weekend there is no pay per view. It's kind of a little bit of a calm before the storm. But next weekend is Elimination Chamber which I'm really looking forward to because it's going to start at 2 o'clock a.m. Pacific time oh, for brother. me. So for you, it's going to start at 4 Central, at 4 well, a.m. I guess Central. I'm not going to have to not take Ambien. Uh, I was going to say no. <laughs> like, I'm, gonna, I'm already planning it. I'm going to take a little nap early in the day, and Woo! I'll be in a rock for the night. And what's going to be really funny, too, so they're going to tape SmackDown this week because – the crew is going to have to be already out there. Think about that. Friday Night SmackDown is going to go at 8 o'clock Eastern time. And then five hours later, there's going to be a pay-per-view starting. Or six hours later. You know, literally within hours. Later that night, there's going to be a pay-per-view starting. So it's going to be a really bizarre 
Friday into Saturday next week for WWE with Elimination Chamber in Perth. And the the next what we had on SmackDown and a lot of what we've had on Raw leading into is leading into Elimination Chamber. So far, here's what we have on the Elimination Chamber card and we can talk about kind of all the news and stories based off of that. The Judgment Day, Balor and Priest versus Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. In in setting up this match, we've seen the rejuvenation of a men's tag team division. I mean, we've got a chance to see DIY look really good recently. We've seen Pretty Deadly, Latino LWO, Legato Del Fantasma. We've seen the Creed Brothers, Imperium, and the New Day all look really impressive. So I I don't know if Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate are going to win this. In fact, I think it's going to be Miz and R-Truth that beat the Judgment Day at WrestleMania. But in building and I think I'm going the other way now after okay. Monday night, man. You think they're going to lose? I think I'm going the other way. Look, look, uh, Gargano and, and Champa. Maybe yeah, it's them. We thought, hey, look, we thought for a while that these two were in trouble. They just, uh, Tommaso got hurt. Their storylines weren't very good. Now they're Giant. DX. <laughs> yes. And, and now they're DX. But, dude, have you seen over the last couple of weeks how hot they've become with the crowd? And crowd I like that. Yeah, does it make sense? And the feel-good story for Miz and R-Truth. Man, absolutely, but it's kind of like the NCAA March Madness Tournament. Where's one of these sneaky hot teams that are really rolling into this tournament or this conference tournament heading into March Madness that I want to find that 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 wasn't anything in the first half of the season, probably finished eight and six in the conference, right? Mid-pack, went to the second round of the conference tournament and got beat. Figured um, it out, though. Figured it out, and I'm telling you, there's something about uh, DYI here uh, that is is really cooking. Look, so you and I both, re- so we both agree though that Judgment Day wins this, and they have it till Mania, and somebody I, you, somebody else. Yes, wins I would, I would hope so. I would hope so. I would so, hope so. I think this will be an awesome match, and it's cool. They're Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate are going to be in Australia. Um, I'm sure they'll get a How huge... good are Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate though, man? Oh we can make an God. argument for them. Sure. For this, and for this show though. This is and this is a Triple H group, right? Th- these guys yeah. are Triple H's guys. Remember, they were the first ever title match for the the UK title. Remember they had that on NXT, was it 6 years ago when they went one-on-one so. Pete Dunne versus, you know, Tyler Bate and they had that incredible match. And then those two guys were in NXT UK for a while. Tyler Bates still only like 22 or 23 or something. He's so young and he's been around forever. But I I think this is like a sneaky good match that people may not be realizing is going to be awesome. Dunn and Bate are going to go out there. They'll probably get like 15 minutes because there's only four matches going to be carded on this show, I think. Chad, I don't I don't think we're going yeah. to even get another one. Because those elimination chambers will take a while, and they've also announced um, the Grayson Waller effect with Cody and Seth. So that's going to take place live uh, there. I wouldn't be surprised if the tag team titles changed hands, but if you're going to change them back at WrestleMania, I don't want someone to lose that run because we're finally getting this men's tag division really cooking, brother. I I agree. Seriously. It's – look, we've been – 
over the years, we've seen good tag teams come and go. We've seen a good set of champions. Um, for whatever reason, the Vinnie Mac effect, you name it, injuries, I don't contract, outside of stuff happening in personal lives, but you're getting a phenomenal job with every tag team involved. And I would rather I would rather uh, them lose it at WrestleMania than than win and then have to lose it again, unless they're going to keep it at WrestleMania. And it, that really wouldn't make sense. It would be hard not to see our truth and the Miz not win it for what our truth's been involved in. Again, Monday night he's done so freaking good. If everything, you know, after he got he he, he got beat up, he goes back. And, oh, this is initiation, right? You know, it was a good initiation. And it's just, there's so many people on that roster, Gino, that are doing their best work heading into WrestleMania. It would not surprise me, Rock not involved, involved, that this would set record for, I know you don't do pay-per-view buys anymore because it's on a network, but you're going to get a lot of people subscribing for the Peacock and then maybe unsubscribing the week after because this is this is phenomenal storytelling at its best. It's been a long time since we've seen so many hot storylines heading up to WrestleMania. Don't you agree? It will. I will say he gets a lot of crap because I don't think he all he had. He he was a guy who needed um, to be part of a staff and not the the decision maker. But it reminds me a little sure. bit of in the Attitude Era with Russo, where everybody from the top of the card to the bottom of the card has a story and a character. You may not love it. You may not. It may not be the most amazing thing in the world. But everybody has like reasoning and purpose. And right now, it feels like all of these guys and gals are like the best versions of themselves. It. There's been so many times through the years where you just have, example, Cameron Grimes right now. I don't know anything about what he's supposed to be on the main roster. On NXT, he had a great character. We knew about him. To the moon. He talked about his dad. You know, first he was the rich guy. Then he was trying to do it for his dad. And he had character and purpose. But then they brought him up to the main roster. And they never told us anything about him. And he just became a random guy. He's one of the few people that feels like they don't have something going on. And for years, there were so many people like Cameron Grimes on the roster. And now he actually stands out because there's so few that are like him right now where. That's a really good point. You know, and it, it's a bummer because we love really good point. Yeah. We've always loved him, but usually you have doesn't, you got a handful of these type of superstars heading into WrestleMania. That's like, ah, they're going to be put into the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal. Right. Or ah, they'll do, uh, they'll be chasing the 24-7 title throughout the weekend, you know? And you're right. The reason why we do care about Cameron Grimes, Grimes, because we don't have a lot of people, guys or girls that are lost in the mix. When you think, oh, well, um, oh, gosh, I, the, two, uh, the two ladies that were, um, that were brought up NXT, ah, crap, that had the story uh they were in the backstage segment with chelsea green uh monday night gargano's wife candace candace and uh the young lady that's with her that was from nxt indy. uh indy you could say the same about them but look boom one segment on monday night they're having a chance to have a you know a last uh a last spot match to get into the elimination chamber And now she talks about wanting to be able to wrestle in front of her family. And all of a sudden, like you said, in in seconds, you cared more about 
Yeah, and, and but I'm glad recent. I'm glad you brought that up because it wasn't too long ago where you had tons of talented superstars that were well, just Gargano and Champa. You literally yeah, were just absolutely. pulling them out. Hey, a month and you ago. know what? LA, a month ago, LA Knight could have been easily been one of these guys. Ab- easily could have been one of these guys, man. Absolutely, and they they've just done a really nice job paying attention to detail. Um, so far, here's who we have in the women's elimination chamber match: Becky, Bianca, and Liv. That thing is loaded with. I mean, just those three. <laughs> it feels pretty obvious that Becky is going to be set up to be the challenger at WrestleMania for Rhea. But if for some reason she's not, she gets hurt. They have to go in a different direction. Bianca or Liv would be fine choices. We just are kind of excited for Becky because, damn, when she said she said to Rhea at the press conference, "Mommy's gonna be a bottom." I was like, <laughs> "Man, that instantly popped me a bunch." And now I'm like one thousand percent in on Becky and Rhea. Hey, how good was that? Uh, that match Monday night with Liv and and Zoe. And oh seriously. my. How good was that match? Man, I kept thinking over and over about where Liv used to be on NXT when she was dating Enzo way back in the day. Oh, Remember that? And, and you can't teach that. And she was where more of like, she was sort of like a female baller. You know, remember her gear was kind of like that? She was sort of, yeah. like that was the way she was. And how much she has improved in ring. And on the mic, and she has her own little unique style. <laughs> With her gear right now, she wears this tannish gear, and every time she walks out, I have to double take and make sure she's actually wearing something because it's like tan. I'm like, whoa, okay, no, she's got some. It, it's like the uh, remember the story, the emperor's new clothes, or the emperor has no clothes, or whatever it was. And you, when you yeah. read that, when you're when you're young, kind of reminds me of that a little bit. But she, I think, Liv is a real underrated maybe even forgotten about because you can slot her in anywhere. And she was the champ for a while. And and that run wasn't fantastic, but her run before being the champ was really good. And she's got a built-in story with Rhea and maybe it's not at WrestleMania, but maybe it's at SummerSlam or maybe it's at a a show after she's going to have a feud again with Rhea soon. And and there are going to be moments where we think that Liv's going to be able to beat Rhea. All of all the champions, is Rhea the one that you would ex- have the highest percentage to retain at Mania? Maybe yeah, Gunther. No, maybe I, Gunther. I think maybe maybe still Rhea. I mean, I could see them giving Becky a win at Mania. Like I, I could see them building Becky back up and having Becky be be the one to to beat her because they just feel like it's timing or Becky hasn't been the champ for a while. But honestly, Rhea right now should not lose. She shouldn't lose and. I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to two weeks from, you know, on two Saturdays when an entire stadium actually gets to cheer Rhea. You know, that hasn't happened for a while. She gets cheers, but she's still coming off like a heel. So there'll be some people that won't be all in cheering her or maybe kind of just cheering against her. Nobody in that stadium is going to be cheering for Nia Jax. Nobody. Not one person. (laughs) And Rhea is going to have an awesome match where she looks like a baby face. She comes back. She's probably going to be having to sell a lot in that match. And I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a different dynamic for Rhea coming up in a few weeks. Uh, uh, man, um, Nia on Monday night, the promo uh, on Raw 
with she was great like, the fake right you know yeah i want you to know that i i'm i, I want you, you know i'm here for you and and i'm your biggest fan and now the fans just oh my god man it was uh it, it was there there's a lot to be look again we've said it i was never a nia Jax fan hell who was she was hurting everybody she was getting the ring with uh she's one of she's been an mvp since her return I, I again i've said it like a broken record every week uh even the the royal rumble roundtable there has been several who have returned to the wwe and this is their best work from any previous run whether they've been a champion or not naya's best work is going on right now Hey, there's there's a case to be made that she needs to walk. She needs to be a champion. She walks out of one of these events uh, with the title. It's just really intriguing and it's really refreshing to see a lot of guys and girls do a lot of good things for, to promote professional wrestling, um, both in the ring, outside the ring. And man, when you can cut a good promo, which Nia was not always the best at, and she's gotten a whole lot better. That was really, really good on Monday night. But no, there's not going to be anybody cheering her at all. She, she's a she's a great heel. Well, think about it. We talked just a few months ago about how Rhea is so good, but the rest of the women's division, eh, you know, they haven't really been building up very many contenders. And now all of a sudden, you feel like Nia. Nia is a legitimate contender. She's not going to win, but she is been built up very very well and now becky is is back kind of feeling as close to becky as she has in a while and all of a sudden you got someone like Liv morgan who's come out of nowhere you have so now there's a division around Rhea to where okay i want to see her go through naya i want to see her face becky i want to see her face live i didn't really want to see her face anybody that was on that women's raw side a while ago and and now they've done a good job building a few up. Now you said there's four spots, right? Yep. There's four spots. Oh, three so three more left more. on the women's side. Uh, so three we more. have Bian- Becky, Bianca, Liv. Three more left on the women's side. We have a match coming up between Alba Fire and Naomi. We have a match coming up between Tiffany Stratton and somebody had to take the place of Shotzi. Right, because Shotzi just right, got Shotzi's hurt. hurt again. So it was, but it was going to okay, be that will be that will be on Friday. Yep, on Friday. So we'll have two and more then, on Friday. Uh, and then Monday is that last chance battle royal. Okay, who? So do that'll you be think the last that? spot, dude. I'm hoping it's got to be Chelsea. It's got. Man, I, I mean, hope so too. But I hope so too. If it's, I mean, Chelsea Shana? would be great. I, see, I don't know if Sheena or Zoe need to be in there. I, I could see them actually giving it to Indy as like a yeah, I do too. I think I, and I mean they could do that because I I'm assuming let her, let, yeah let her pin Chelsea or something because Chelsea would make sense because I think I'm assuming Tiffany Stratton gets in yes and I'm assuming Naomi gets in yes now if that's the case you probably want to heal because you've already got Becky Bianca Liv and Naomi as all baby faces in there. Oh, good, good, uh, good catch. So that maybe that is Chelsea. Maybe that's either Chelsea or Shayna. You know, yeah, Zoe. It, I could see them just picking one of those as a heel yeah. just for the dynamic. Yeah, 
because they couldn't put five baby faces and Stratton in there. I'll tell you <laughs> what, you, you, you know, you put, uh, yeah, that's uh holy cow, man. That, that, that's a, that's a loaded women's elimination chamber match. It is. Then on the men's side so far, we have Drew, Randy, Bobby Lashley, and L.A. Knight. Which I was a little surprised by because L.A. Knight interfered in A.J. Styles' match and cost A.J. a chance. But A.J. did that not come, come back and, and, and do the same thing to L.A. Knight. It was like, ah, you're on Raw. I'm, I'm just going to stay over here on my SmackDown. Early night. I'm yeah. out. <laughs> um, so it, it's a situation now where You've got these four. I think Drew or Randy, if I were stacking them, I would probably put them towards the top. But if they wanted to just say, hey, look, LA Knight has been hot. LA Knight has been over. And we want to just, we're just going to do this. And maybe they've got Sammy and Drew as a match for WrestleMania. I would not be shocked if they did that with LA Knight. It doesn't seem like he's the guy to beat Seth. I think. I think you probably want LA Knight if he's going to win to beat uh, a heel, right? To, to get yeah. a win over a heel. But hell, uh, with two left, I think they've got Logan Paul's in a match this weekend, right? Or on Friday? Logan's yes. in a qualifier. Yes. And and then do they do something like a last a last chance match on Monday where you give Sammy and Bronson and guys like that an opportunity to try to get the, get in here? Yeah, this is uh, very intriguing. Very intriguing that Logan Paul would be involved in this. Because then, it, you know, it could lead to a setup for Logan LA Knight at WrestleMania. True. Yeah, it, it could start telling that story that we've all. And I think we, that's the way they're going. Me too. If I were going to make a prediction, I would say Drew or Randy wins the Elimination Chamber. LA Knight and Logan get into it. And that will lead to a WrestleMania match for them. Yeah, I like it. Man, there's a lot of good going on in WWE right now on both Raw and SmackDown. And we will uh, have a nice big preview next week. Everything going on on Elimination Chamber. Let's flip over to NXT uh, a little bit. And NXT, we finish the show with new NXT Tag (laughs) Team Champions. It's the Wolf Dogs. In one of those combinations, in one of those pairings that you just never would have thought was going to be great, and they're fantastic, with Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin together, man, I thought it was it was good, and, and these guys are really entertaining together. I'm, I love this tag team. It's probably not going to be a, a long run because, Cor, uh, because Braun's coming up, but I feel like it was the right thing to do at the right time and give them a little run because they've been doing great work. Didn't I read somewhere, maybe you did too, that this was Corbin's first title in like seven years? Does that seem right? Yeah. Yeah. That was it. That makes sense. He was always a, a losing heel. You know, he re- Corbin reminds me of an old school, like territory heel. He would have been, yeah. couldn't you have yeah. seen Baron Corbin being set up for two months and having a SummerSlam match against Hulk Hogan? Oh, 100%. You know, like that's the type of good job. He would he would be a great heel. He would get a couple wins along the way. He'd beat Tito Santana, and uh, you know he'd he'd make <laughs> he'd, right. Like, that's always what you do. He'd beat Tito along yeah, the way. Yeah, poor Tito. I know. He was you know, and and 
you get all ready, uh, you know, like earthquake, you, you smash a couple people and then you get ready for Hogan. And that's who Corbin is and was. And I, th- I think he's way more talented than he gets enough credit for. Oh and yeah. 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 I, I'm always going to be a little bummed that they just didn't go full on with him and Kevin Owens where they had oh, that. I know. That seg- yes. That felt like it would have been, but this kind of reminds me a little bit of that. It does with him it and Braun. Now, Maybe the bigger question is, what are we doing with Braun? I mean, we've teased him both on Monday and Friday, SmackDown and Raw. Um, I thought, I know I'm kind of jumping around here. We're going back to to Raw and SmackDown, but it has to do with Braun. I really thought we were going to get Jay and Guther at WrestleMania. Maybe we do. I find it odd that that match is on Monday night. Because you usually don't really get a WrestleMania replay of a match until after Mania, right? So, could you do you see a roadmap where Braun gets the call to Guther? What are we doing with Braun? That's my question here. Yeah, I mean, I think everything's on the table for him right now. Honestly, I I really do. I I completely agree with you though. I think the fact that they did this on TV, I feel like it's going to extend this feud a little bit longer with and I wouldn't be shocked if I don't know if Jay is going to have a match with Gunther at WrestleMania. I kept thinking it was going to be Jay and Jimmy or some sort of bloodline thing at WrestleMania. But I I do I do wonder for, for them if they're still kind of figuring things out with Punk, right? And even with Seth and the injury, there are just <clears throat> a lot of moving pieces there. I'm not expecting it to be clean win one way or the other on Monday with Gunther and Jay. I think it'll extend okay. a little bit. I think okay. it will. Do you think that extends to Mania, though? Or are we just... Mm. No, I think they'll probably get one more. Yeah, I think they'll probably get like another match out of it. But I feel like, and I don't know what what the the idea is either with Big E, but I almost feel like they were trying to wait a little bit with Big E, the way they kept setting up stuff with with New Day and Imperium, hoping that Big E would be ready and be a guy who could come in and face Gunther. Because if you think about it for Big E, a hard-hitting match with Gunther would be different, like, Gunther is different than Brock Lesnar is probably the way I was putting yeah. it, right? Gunther isn't yeah. going to throw you around as much as he's going to hit you hard. So I think that would be in, would it would be a spot if Big E was healthy and ready that would, would fit really well for him to come in and face Gunther. I, right now, if I had to peg what is going to be the match for Gunther, geez, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess Braun Breaker really does feel like he would make as much sense as anyone because if you get if you get done with Uso, then then who? Like who? who? Yeah, and you're gonna again seven weeks. Um, I don't like it when they just push someone someone like two weeks out. You know, before Me Mania. Not at all. Not so before Mania. It would it, unless they have another something else. You know, Braun's got this. He would probably have to have not be this tag champion in NXT to get this title shot. I don't know. It's just a little bizarre here with them winning the titles. I'm up for it. I like it. I I have no qualms about it. But if we're trying to get him to the main roster, I thought this was an interesting way to go to put these tag team titles on. Unless Corbin or, you know, Corbin turns on him or something. But I don't know. I'm just trying to get Braun to the main roster. I don't know how to do it now with the uh, NXT tag team titles. So, man, Joe Gacy's. Joe Gacy's hilarious, man. He makes me laugh. He's getting dragged all over the place <laughs> and stuff. And Gacy is the crap on him. He's doing I know. such a good job, though. He makes me pop, though, man. He he does. 
we um we had a, a Lola or a Lyra versus Shotzi match set up for next week. Spoiler alert, as we said, Shotzi gets hurt. She I'm I only got a brief spoiler in this. And so sh- that match can't happen next week. They've they've already recorded the next week of NXT also. I yeah, don't yeah. I didn't see it. I only briefly caught it. I didn't even really I wasn't it was sort of by accident. I, I don't necessarily love to catch spoilers. I like watching them. No, I mean neither. Stay away, stay away. Sometimes you can't yeah. help it. You click on something and it there's an article yeah, pop yeah. up and you read it. It's like, ah, but um apparently they needed someone to fill in for the match, and apparently Lash Legend did and did a, from what the reports were, she did a really great job. Just being Someone who got thrown into that match last minute because they needed someone else. And so I'm kind of curious to how they will handle that with it already being taped. Are they going to say, oh, Shotzi got hurt? Is it going to be something that's part of the storyline? Do they not really mention it? And they just have um, a lash in there. But that was uh, that was something that also happened. And I thought it was just another – like this was a pretty, pretty – Good episode of NXT and a busy episode of NXT where they just finished one of their big shows. They've got now, like you said, seven weeks till their big mania show. So now they're starting to build a lot of things. It, it, yeah, there were some developmental type matches on NXT. There was a lot of matches uh, from some talent that we normally wouldn't have seen to get some good television time mm-hmm. on Tuesday night. That's what I thought. I, I felt the same way too, and it, uh, yeah, it will, it will continue to build and lead to their big WrestleMania show. Um, some of my favorite things that were on this episode, the 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 Stone Kids are fantastic now. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, oh, those yeah. Stone Kids, and we got to see uh, Stone getting a little mad. We had we saw Stone and and <laughs> Von Wagner in the match against the Metaphor, which. Is I guess one thing that bums me a little bit. I thought they did a really good job with Von Wagner, you know, a few months ago, getting yeah, him. He's been kind of lost. Just and he, but he, but he just keeps losing. You know, people care more about him now. They're interested in the stuff with Stone and the the family and the kids. But he every time he's he's out there, he he loses. So it's just tough to to build momentum when that's the case. Um, Chase you. They gave some love to JC Jane. <laughs> Chase U is back, and they uh, paid off. You know what off. this reminded me of? It, it, and someone else had it, too. Someone posted it on Twitter slash X. This re- kind of reminded me of of what Zach Morris would be involved in. Yes. After, uh, the, the calendar, by especially, the goes, right? With yeah, the Saved by the Bell goes, goes, goes to college, and he's trying to save, like, the university or something. Or the calendar situation. This kind of felt Saved by the Bell. That's great. That is a great call. And um, they even had the one where Zach was selling the calendars and he would put, he put, they couldn't find who to be Miss December. So they put Belding's head on Jesse's body. (laughs) (laughs) Remember Miss December? I can remember right now they've got the long lines at the store. All the guys are in there trying to get them and the girls are mad because they didn't know just. I uh, love me some Saved by the Bell, but the the Chase U scene was a, a ton of fun. Um, we uh, yeah, and, and what I get the when I'm watching NXT and we'll transition to AEW in just a second because I want to give AEW a little bit of credit in that 
right now, I I do think they have slowed things down a ton. And when I watched this NXT episode, it felt like there were a lot of segments, but it didn't feel like every match at the end of every match, there was a bunch of people that came out and interrupted and I didn't know what was going on. There were just a lot of segments on the show. That's that is fine. Where I had a problem was in AEW when it was okay, here's this match. At the end of this match, we're going to have three people come out and then three more people come out and then three more people come out. So all of a sudden there's 15 people in the ring and you completely forgot what you were watching five minutes ago. Um, I think those are two different things. Having a busy show is fine. Having a show where you're just obviously trying to get a bunch of people out there and there's no flow to it. That's where I have a problem. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, uh, it, it, it's, uh, we've been saying for a while now how convoluted things have gotten. Um, there's certain parts of this show where I didn't like, uh, it's definitely, man, it, you know, when you see Hangman, Swerve, and Joe all in the ring at the same time, I, I, there's just the star of those three are Swerve, right? Um, but there was a better flow to the show. I thought it was interesting. Some of the, uh, the match, you know, the opening match, Moxley against was it uh, Dash? Dax. Uh, was it Dax? Dax, yeah. And, it, uh, and the match was uh, good, and and the guys hit like hard hitting and stuff. The problem I have with all of these though, there's never any upset. There's never Moxley's no. Oh, always. Oh no, no, no. Mox was not losing that. No. It's and it's very predictable in that sense, and it's always good match. We know exactly who's going to win, and that was the case. Here to start. Um, and then, you know, I guess it's is there like a weird kissing spot they were do, they're doing? Is that like a new thing? Yeah, that was that was odd. I, I mean, whatever. It's it's entertainment, right? It's like an it's an just, indie spot they'll do sometimes, you know, too. But I I had I don't have a problem with the match at all. I thought it was a fine start. You get Mox out there, he gets the win in 18 minutes. Um it's it, it just this is a little bit of a microcosm of what has happened a lot in AEW where man that was a great match from Dax. Dax had great matches against you know uh was it Jericho and uh, other guys last year but then we don't see them again. I was so glad Yeah, this we, was the first time he's had a solo match and I don't know how long. On this was the first time him or Copeland has been on Dynamite in weeks. Weeks. And it 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 felt better them being there. Um, both of them, like I felt for Dax, like where the hell have you been? And it, you feel the same way about Copeland too, because it's difficult to follow different stories to different TV shows. If you're not getting video packages, it just, it is. I, it's every, we call we, it what I, it is. I it keep is. saying right. it every week, every TV show that I watch, almost all of them have a, here's what happened last week. It's not because I'm stupid. It's not because every person watching that is stupid. It's because it makes you more invested in that. Instead of making people do the work on their own, you do the work for them. Here's a video package of what just happened most recently. Here's why you haven't seen these guys in a few weeks. Dax has been dealing with the feud over on Rampage and on Collision, but now he's here. He's got a match with Moxley. Give me something. Just yeah, give me a little... Yeah, I just, Gino, I just looked at my notes. The last time Dax was on television in a singles match was April 2023 when he lost to Jeff Jarrett. 
Yep. And, and then and now he's going 18 minutes with Moxley. You know. Now this sets up the tag match, right? The uh, the Combat Club is Yeah, is, British right? British Combat Club versus FTR. FTR at, you know, at Revolution, um, probably whenever we get there. So we'll end up getting that and I'm sure it will be great. Now we get another Wardlow squash. Does he what oh, is brother. the point of this? Wardlow was one of the most over guys on the company when he beat MJF a few years back. They've never really been able to get it back. But what is the point of me watching him squash guys? What that tells me is you uh, don't a, have plans. A local Texas indie talent too. You don't have any plans for him right now because this is what you do with a new talent, not someone who everybody knows and is established. And you're trying to make me believe that he's a main event star. Now, I will give them credit. It feels like they've kind of slowed down a lot with any of the devil stuff, right? I, I feel like we haven't seen as much yeah. of that recently. And it's almost like they realize that it's not going well. And they're sort of backing off from it a little bit. We have a no contest. Copeland gets a win. Now, here's here's the thing. Why wasn't this the main event? And hear me out. I, I was listening to some another podcast that had said, you do a no contest, you have a cliffhanger. Because then you don't know, is is Copeland going to be able to get the title match? You have the beatdown at the end, and that's how you leave it. This show ended with Orange Cassidy just getting a win, right? And it was- And I love Matt Taven. Let, me, Matt, let me be the first to tell you. And Taven, Super I nice say, guy. The dude's was, a hell of a worker. And it was an awesome match. I thought, and I thought yeah, he looked as good- in AEW as he has looked so far. I just didn't understand why that was the main event slot when you knew you're just going to have the baby face get the win. There was nothing to have a, a hook for your next show. And I'm not talking about the wrestler hook. I'm talking about uh, something to bring you back <laughs> for the next hey, episode. And let's, let's, talk about, let, let's talk about something, Gino. And I mentioned it to you last night because we're talking about Copeland. There's been a couple of guys that I don't think it's just my opinion and my perception, I think you alluded to it when I sent you a message last night about it, and I'm starting to feel it and see it through others. Not everyone fits in every organization, and it just seems to me that Adam Copeland is having a hard time fitting in AEW, and was he supposed to be the heel? Because he was acting very, or was supposed to be a babyface. He was acting a little heelish last night. Then Christian gets involved. Um, I'm just, I'm having a hard time. Maybe it's because I know him as Edge, and every time I see him, it's Edge, and it's WWE. I just haven't made this connection of him coming over to AEW and being Adam Copeland. That's no, me. What do you feel about that? I completely agree. Not, not even close. And he didn't need to be Edge over here. If you're Tony no, Khan sure, sure. and you brought him over, we said, why is he not on Dynamite all the time? It's just like a simple thing. It doesn't make much sense yeah. for me. He, they're not treating him. They're not presenting him like he's important. They're presenting him like he's just a member of the roster. And maybe that's what he wants. Maybe that's what Brian Danielson wants, right? Brian Danielson, at this point, he doesn't want to go over anyone. He likes putting other people over. But the problem is, Brian Danielson, you are still a big star. But we star. don't want that. Yes, you <laughs> yeah. are still a big star. And you, as a character, can't be dumbed down that much. You can't be shoved that far down 
because it doesn't really work. Like it doesn't work in this world to where Daniel Brian Danielson isn't at the top of the food chain. It seems weird to me. Um, I, I don't I don't get it. And that that was what's been a little bit frustrating in Rampage and Collision. Bischoff said this from the beginning because he knows because the same thing happened with Thunder. If they would have been able to get Bret Hart and just use Bret Hart as a better part of Monday Nitro and their shows, I think it would have worked better. Instead, they bring in Bret Hart. He's supposed to be the guy that helps them with Thunder. And that's kind of like what they were trying to do with Copeland. But here's the thing. Copeland's not as big a draw as Punk. And once you don't see Copeland for three or four weeks, you kind of forget about him and his storylines that are happening. <laughs> I, I I can't add anything to that. It's pretty uh, spot on. That That's very it's spot sad. on. Gino. It's sad. Edge is a, is a top five guy of mine. He's probably like fifth on my sure. all-time top five. I watched Edge go from brood guy to tag team champion guy to up to the mid card to winning the IC title and the European title to then becoming the main event guy and watching someone go through that progression. It's the same reason why I love Bret Hart. I saw him in the Hart Foundation. I saw him break a, a trophy over Bad News Brown's back in the Roy- in the Battle Royal. Then I saw him in the Hart Foundation. You saw him as the IC guy. Then you see him as the champ. I loved Edge, and I wanted Copeland to be a bigger deal here. I don't know. It's it's been a bummer. I I've been disappointed, and I think they can still do better. But I've I've been very disappointed with this so far. I'll give a couple uh, a couple positives. Um, okay. So Joe Joe Page and uh, Swerve. I like when they were all out there. So. Page, look with that mustache right now, man. He's getting me. He's getting me. I really like every time he comes out there with that honker of a mustache, and he's leading <laughs> into being a heel a little bit more. I thought that was was good, and I loved how it felt. It feels like, damn, this is a match between Page and Swerve. What the hell's Joe doing there? And Joe just said that. He's like, I know what you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking you're going to have this feud between you two, and I'm not going to be around. If someone's going to pin me and I'm out, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to kick your ass, and I'm out. Like, I thought that was that was one of those things I say, like, oh, that's what a regular guy would have said. That's what a normal person would have said. So <laughs> that's I, all Gino wants in life, right? what you would say in real life. It's <laughs> real. And I, so I got, a, I got a kick out of that, and I, um, I, I thought – I thought that came off at least honest. And and then damn, the the Tony Storm thing, the 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 vignette they did for Storm showing the pictures <laughs> of her and Diana and having yeah. her talk over it, that was one of the my favorite things I've seen them do in a long time. And dude, that's a it's amazing. It's genius what they and, I know some people hate what's going on. Uh, they have to be in the few because this is amazing what they've done to Tony Storm. Because again, she was another that came in from WWE, kind of flopped around a little bit, was put with a team, was put with a faction, got hurt. Did this? And this is genius. This so, is really genius, man. And and here's here's the thing: you can tell they put a lot of time into this, a lot of Absolutely. production value because it. it and that's what makes me enjoy it. I, as a viewer, I'm watching this going, damn, they spent a lot of time doing this and it's funny. And 
the way they've got her talking over the pictures of Diana, and they fill in the tattoo, and she says, "You are my young girl," and you, and she tells the story, but she does it in the Tony Storm starlet way, and yeah. and then they cut to they they go to Diana and Renee. And both of them again are are like on Saturday Night Live a little bit, you know. It's like they're they're kind of popping. They can't help it. They're try, they're trying. It's not like bad. They didn't mess up, but you can see they. It's so funny what they've been watching that that they come back and Deanna's like, I'm gonna kick her out, you know. And she's kind of smirking a little bit, and it, man, I thought it was great. And she just says. What did, what did she say? Uh, they call her like. Oh, the best part I thought was when Tony says uh, that while it while she helped Diana get into Japan and Perazzo uh, was nurtured on her boozle of her, brilliance and on slept on the teat of talent, the teat of talent. The teat of talent. <laughs> and that's like if you're Perazzo and you're standing there getting and, and she bit the teat along. Yeah, along the way, she bit the teeth that fed her. If you're standing there <laughs> getting ready to cut your I would promo, have lost it, too. Me, too. Like, and you're, it was live. You're live, pal. And Renee's, I would have lost it, too. Renee's losing it. And, and yes. Deanna just... But Deanna's so good that... Yes, it, it, yes. It didn't come... It came off, again, real. Like, if somebody's saying absurd shit to you... You're going to laugh, you know what I mean? You're going to smirk, and and she didn't lose her character. She just smiled, and she kind of looked down and shook her head and was like, you know, <laughs> and gathered and, it, and and, and then gathered she, herself. It was perfect. Yeah, she looked down and was, and it was, it was just like if you and I are about to get into a fight, and you're over there talking about me suckling on the teat of your bosom. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna think the same thing. I'm gonna look down like. What the hell is this guy talking about? And then you kind of get centered and you're like, you want to be crazy? You want to be whatever? My dad said, you you know, he called, what the term was fantastic. I forgot the term, the way she said it. Uh, Uh, I I don't know if it was like an Il Malocchio or something like that, you know, which is something my dad used. It's just, you, it's like you talk too much, you know, it's, and that's, and that's the, man, I, I'm so for for being disappointed um, about a lot of things here and there. I'm really excited about what they've been doing with Diana and Tony, and I think they've done a fantastic job with them. Agree. I, I know everything can't be great. I don't know why they can't do more of this with more storylines. Regardless, I'm not going to ask to win the lottery every time or expect to win the lottery every time. But this is hitting the lottery, and it's coming at a time, again, I brought it up last week. This is coming at a time where we're on the heels of Mercedes Monet debuting with AEW in a couple of weeks. So this is going to be real curious how all of this kind of intertwines with, with each other. But not getting too ahead of myself, I'm going to enjoy this um, while it lasts. And their match is going to be just no, it's going to be great by itself but with this kind of storyline this is what i expected in AEW and i'm telling you if they would do just more of this their television ratings would go up too you wouldn't be sucking the 800,000s on Completely. wednesday night and i'm not talking about friday and saturdays cuz that that is what it is if you would do more of this on wednesday night 
man, I'm telling you, you you've get the average Joe would, would really appreciate the average wrestling fan would definitely appreciate this because this has been great. And you do it with Deanna because, uh, Hey, look, a lot of people may not have known who Deanna Perrazzo was. They probably have heard of her and you've seen a lot of stuff on social media, but a plus this is a plus stuff right here with Tony and Deanna. Two more things I want to mention before we get out of here. First, uh, one positive, one negative positive. Darby Allen has really improved on the mic. I think his yes. promo skills have been excellent. He's another one of those guys that he's not going to go out and like Cody cut a great promo, hit all the ups and but when he talks, I believe what he's saying. And that's that's all that matters. It just I I believe what Darby is saying. And he came out and he grabbed the mic and he talked about how, you know, at the beginning the Bucks were all about wanting to change the world, and now they're pieces of trash, and they don't care about changing the world. And I believe Darby because you know why? When he goes out there, he throws his freaking body on the line every single time, and I know he's not full of it. And he doesn't have to do those things. He does it because he wants well, no, to. No, yeah, 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 he, for, yeah, yeah. The one person in that building or the one person that was watching on TV, he wants to make them go, holy crap, what did that guy just do? And – uh, so I believe him in this spot. And I thought um, Darby, who is someone who I didn't initially think could be like a main event type guy. I wasn't sure if he would get there. Man, I'm, I'm, I feel like I was completely wrong on that. In just the last six months, when they were building up to that four pillars um, title match, he was the best on the mic of all those guys. He was much better than Jungle Boy, much better than Sammy. And if you really think about the pillars right now, think about the pillars. MJF's out, hurt. Jungle Boy's not on TV. Sammy, I mean, he's not really relevant. And at least Darby is someone who's a big part of the show. He's had this storyline with Sting. And to be fair, it's it's almost kind of hindered him having this because he's had to be attached with Sting and not necessarily been able to be a guy on his own battling, you know, for singles titles all the time. I think after Sting leaves, Darby's going to get a nice bump off of this. Yes, yes. But the, but do but you, the flip but the flip put him in the main event picture with a world title or no? You know, him and Joe had some fun matches. He would be kind of a fun yes. small guy to take the title off of a Joe if they don't want to have Swerve win it quite yet. Or maybe they'll wait and then, you know, Darby has it and Swerve can beat Darby or, or something like that down the line. Um, yeah, or, or you know, even if Swerve wins it, you, you put Darby and Joe together. You know, Joe's going to be chasing. Darby's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You know, wait a minute. I want to be in this I'm picture. I, I, yeah, I, I, I could see some Swerve-Darby matches. In the next thing, the Bang Bang Scissor Gang. So, love, <laughs> like, all of these guys, individually, Take them all apart. The acclaimed was like the most overact last year on AEW. They were the most overact, and 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 then the Gun Club. These guys are good. They're good heels. They are funny. They're entertaining. They're young dudes. Jay White is very good. What is the point of putting them all together as in, in a group of six? Like what it. What is the end game? Having them go three on three? Okay, so they're going to have a six-man, they're going to have a match this week where they're all six working together. Like, I like all these guys. I just don't understand 
if this is the best use of them, like Jay White was the the New Japan World Champion. He was like a top guy in New Japan. Does he feel like a top guy right now? Man, the look on his face during this segment. I thought I'm the same sorry. thing. You he, saw it. You saw the look. I'm just telling you. Me too, just man. I saw that down look at the ground. Just it's like it's che- he's checked out. Completely I'm just here, agree. So I don't get fined. He looked, <laughs> dude. He looked. I thought. I'm glad you pointed that out because for him, he looked checked out. And maybe some of the other guys in there are enjoying it, and maybe they're all having fun with it. But that's not Jay White. Jay White was brought in here believing that he was going to be a top guy. I'm not saying he should be your world champion. But the way you brought him in, the way his feud with MJF went, and since then, he is one guy in a group of six. Literally, he's a one He's one part of a six-man team right now. That's Jay White. And your most overact, the acclaimed, never even comes out and does their rap like they used to, which everybody loved. And that was a talking point. Coming out of it, it'd always be like, oh, what did Caster say? Oh, man, he said a Trump thing? He took a shot at Biden. Oh, my God. You know, we'd always laugh. <laughs> oh, my God, he ripped on Vince. Like, whatever it was, nothing now. You almost wonder if he said something and got in trouble because why would you not want that on every episode of Dynamite? Everyone. Uh, this is... This is, again, um, you have to take into account when you're getting ready to sign with a company, what's the best for you? Was it a lot more money that they make promises? Hey, this is what we're going to do in the beginning. Um, But I can tell you this much. It does not look like he's having fun. It just doesn't. Uh, Speaking Jay White specifically. So if you're Um, you're Jay White and right now you've got Osprey about to come in, Okada. It looks like. Okada's probably coming in. So if you're those guys and you saw what's happened with Jay White right now, why would you feel like you were going to be different than that? I don't know. True. I don't know. And if on the flip side, you see Nakamura, who is kind of the opposite. Nakamura was out of sight, out of mind for a long time. And then all of a sudden in the last few months, even though he hasn't been winning a bunch of matches, he's, um, he's still someone who is able to be in main event programs. He's been on TV and in the main event with Cody on raw a bunch of times. He's, you know, he was facing Rollins for the title two or three pay-per-views in a row. So for the last three or four months, we've seen Nakamura all the time. And he's felt like a pretty important part of the show. I can't say the same thing about Jay white, you know, um, that, that's what's disappointing to me, just uh, some of these guys and gals that come in. Is that going to happen with the Monet, with the Mercedes Monet? Is that going to happen with Okada? I don't know. Um, but, man, I saw that same thing. Well, not thing. everyone can have a title, and not everyone can be in the main event, and not everyone can be on the TV at the same time. But we, Say but, what you want to about Rampage on Friday and the, and the hour or two of Collision on Saturday – the main show is Wednesday night. The Friday show doesn't get very good ratings. Uh, the Saturday show, 400,000. That's not a lot of people, man. That's not. That's and we don't even. A lot of people are watching the, the, the micro brawlers on, on uh, Discovery Channel. I'm talking your main flagship show on Wednesday night. Not everybody can be on at the same time. And, man, you sure are pushing it with bringing all these people in. 
And that has to be your center home base to where you're recapping yes. things, yes. you're showing what happened. Hey, this happened the other day, but we, you know, in case you missed it, let's do a quick recap. They don't want to do that and they keep people out in the dark too much. And unfortunately, this is what's been happening. I personally think if they just had one show and were putting like their best foot forward on that show, it would be such a better product. They're worried yes. about too many things right now. They're worried about the hours on Rampage. They're worried about Collision. Instead of worrying about, let's pick a group of 15 to 20 people and make them the major characters on our TV show for the next six months. And then we'll bring people in and out and rotate in and out. But let's have these 15 or 20 people on every single week. That way people get used to their stories. They get familiar with them. They get comfortable with them. If you're listening, Tony, I think if you did that, that would help your show. But <laughs> but I digress. Chad Cooper, another one in the books, my friend. So what Love about this, with this weekend? It's kind of a quiet sports weekend with the Super Bowl just yeah, ending. The, it's the it's NBA. The NBA All-Star Yeah, slam Sunday? dunk contest, just all that stuff. Over. Yeah, yep. just take, yeah, just take the over. <laughs> just take the over. Koopa Loop, hey, my Hey, I made man. two Super Bowl bets. Hey, Gino, I made two Super Bowl bets. I took the over, which was a little controversial, but I was paid out. You're um, a lot of people. A lot of people thought um, that the national anthem ended after Brave, but she said the Brave again. And I, I'm not going to promote the sports book, even though it was legal sports book. Um, Shout out Reba. Out and and uh, Kansas City Chiefs morning line that uh, the rigged Super Bowl, the worked Super Bowl. I, I picked the 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 right team. So, the deep, the deep state, and out. Joe Biden were all in on it. <laughs> they set it all up, Koopaloo. You know, it's crazy. They set it, it all up, up, brother. They set it all up. It was weird. Where were they last year? You know, did they do the same thing last year, or they just randomly yeah. win the Super Bowl last year? I love. No, I love hey, hey, Taylor Swift is a psyop. Jesus, psyop. <laughs> I haven't heard that term since like watching, like just be sci-fi action flick movies the word psyop and now here we are in 2024 and their people are psyops uh, you know what i'll say <laughs> yeah they are i was reading Ooh. you know something about kelsey lot in one year yeah. last year he wins the super bowl beats his brother he starts dating taylor swift the most like famous in the entire world he breaks the receptions record in the playoffs. He's like holds a bunch of playoff records. He wins a second Super Bowl here, uh, going out. Um, not a bad year for that guy. Not no, a bad and year. him and his brothers got one of the most popular the podcasts now. The best, like I think Dude, they're, they're like the, it's the like top. two good old boys just shooting the bull. Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't know how Kelsey is in real life. I don't know how Taylor Swift yeah, though is in either. real life. But yeah, I will say. In listening to them talk and seeing them, they seem like they're pretty cool and pretty down to earth. I think both Kelsey and sure. Swift, from just getting the perception and from hearing what people say, and like Swift, Kelsey's dad was saying, "Dude, Taylor's around here cleaning up after people's messes. You know, like people will leave <laughs> in the box, and she goes and throws them away." And yeah. um, I even saw a little video of like. She, they were going to some of the after parties and they asked someone, what's the party going to be like? And they said, oh, it's just going to be small friends and family. And so Taylor Swift shows up with her mom and dad and it's like a rave. And she's sitting there and her and, and she's it's this funny video where she shows. I saw it. I saw yeah, it. And then she turns it around <laughs> and her mom and dad are sitting there kind of bobbing a little bit and laughing. So yeah. 
hell they're yeah. on top, they're on top of the world right now and uh the chief yeah, she goes uh, yeah, second thoughts about inviting mom and dad to the after party and, yeah. you know the mom and dad <laughs> are sitting there like with diet cokes and a red bull and there's funny. dead mouse or tiesto dj wow 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 there's bottle service in the background and there's taylor swift she kind of just rolls her eyes <laughs> and you and you got freaking and there's uh, a travis there there's jason kelsey in his ray mysterio mask just just jamming man it just what a time to be alive <laughs> yeah koopa loop my man we're gonna be following you yeah, at the chad cooper thanks so much for helping us out again this week buddy and you have a great weekend got it buddy all right man, we'll talk next week Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. Uh, If you're listening on the podcast, that's what G said. We'll be here each and every week with Chad Cooper. Don't go anywhere. Big thank you to Koopaloop for helping us out again this week with everything happening in the world of wrestling on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Coming up soon, Echo. We will have a recap of Season 1 of Echo. Positives, negatives, everything that went down. Tim Kelly will join me for that one. And then we'll uh, you know, continue along as we will with all the big racing each and every weekend. Right now, a lot of Santa Anita, Gulfstream Park. We'll uh, move into basketball next week with Eric over the next month or so. We'll talk NBA. Then we'll get into some college basketball leading into March Madness. Everything that you need in horse racing and sports and uh, whenever there's uh, new shows and movies in the world of Star Wars and MCU, we'll be right here for you on That's What G Said Podcast.